welcome to the Screamcast episode 148. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Brad Henderson. Hey, Sean. And with us as well is Stephanie Crawford. Hey, Sean. Hey, Brad. Hey, everybody else. Poor Stephanie uh, has been sick for like two months or something, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> She's coming Don't make off her of laugh. It. I was born sick. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's why we've had a little bit of – we couldn't record last week. Uh, this this show I feel like has been epic in trust trying to get together, trying to gather everyone together. Uh, BJ has been traveling and uh, she was not able to join us on this episode. We will keep trying to gather all of us together. And that reminds me, I need to change our little header at the website. I need to add Stephanie's name in there. So, uh, I'm adding that to my, to my list of things that I need to do on the website. Top priority. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. Sorry. I have such a long name. It's okay. We'll fit it in somewhere. Brad, are, are you throwing Blu-rays across the room? Dude, I am like in the most awkward position. My computer's probably going to fall down. <laughs> like jazz is tied up in my cords and she's trying to get out. By the way, and I'm holding so I'm my drink to... and I'm holding the computer. Jazz. See, All right. I got to unplug my headphones. Should I meet Brad first? Jazz, go lay down. Okay. Jazz, go lay down. This is the peak into trying to schedule these. Oh my god! <laughs> this is what it was like. This is what it's like I'm to get scheduled right here. <laughs> All right, today as Brad's getting settled, I will uh, let you guys know what we're doing today. Today we are talking about the last couple batches of uh, Vinegar Syndrome releases. All right, Brad, are you okay? Are you there? I'm here. <clears throat> oh my god! Do you need a breather, insane. or are you okay? No, I'm good. All right. So I have like my I was like have my drink because I I don't have my desk I just basically have this like uh, just this stand like for you know just like a, a, a what do you call it like a little like a side TV table dinner, like a TV dinner tray you like one of those no no aluminum no. TV dinner trays that you like find your no 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 house. no it's a, it's a side table that's oh. in in my in my office because I don't I don't have my desk right now. I got rid of my desk, so I'm just like using this uh, for the time being. And so I have like my drink on my laptop, like sitting on my laptop. Okay. And then Jazz like does a sneak attack right between my legs. So when she pops up, because I'm like like hovering over my laptop, so she like popped up and her head hit the computer, started to fall forward. I had to grab the drink. She's trying to get out, but she got tangled up in my headphones. Nothing spilled. Everything's fine. Blu-rays did fall over, but we're good. Okay. All right. And with that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, lady and gentlemen, lady and Brad, uh, let's jump into what's on our doorstep. Holy cow. I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Pizza. I don't know if everyone can hear. If you guys hear, like, it sounds like bones grinding in the back of uh, in the background here. I, I don't know. I tried to crank my microphone gate up a little bit, but uh, my dogs are deep into some bones. They're chewing on some bones, hardcore. 
So when are we going to have an all dog podcast? Because I feel like that's the direction we're going. We should make that work. Um, I could borrow a dog. I'm, I have cats, <laughs> but I can make it work. Okay, we'll work on that. I'm sure that'll that'll be as easy to schedule as this uh, vinegar syndrome podcast episode for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I'll go first. Yes, is that all right, everybody? Hey, you know what, Sean? You go right ahead, but if you cut me motherfucking short. <laughs> all right, go ahead. I will not. I will not cut you short. Um, all right, One, I have a, one I have minute per movie. A few things I want to talk about um, here. The first one is a movie that just came out, directed by Greg McLean, who directed Wolf, the movie Wolf Creek. Um, and this is starring Daniel Radcliffe. The movie is called Jungle. It's based on a true story. Um, about uh, this guy named Yossi oh Ginsberg. Oh, my God. I saw that movie forever ago. Yeah. Uh, it finally came out by Momentum Pictures put it out. And this is a fucking good movie. Holy shit. Um, go in. Like, I didn't really read about this Yossi Ginsberg, Ginsberg uh, before. I, I just knew it starred Daniel Radcliffe, and it was directed by the director of Wolf, Wolf Creek. So I was like, that's all I need to know, and I'm totally in. But it's the story of this guy who gets lost in the jungle, um, and it's great. Daniel Radcliffe is a powerhouse. He is just uh, – he's really becoming one of my favorite actors. He just goes all in on these films. The movie is – the characters in it, they're, they're funny. There's like surprisingly – like you really enjoy these characters, like their banter back and forth. You really care about them. There, it's uh, it's just a really good film. So if you can check this out, definitely do so. And uh, what I read was what happens in the movie is tame compared to things that really happen in in real life. That was almost too much for people to believe in movie form. So, but a uh, really good flick. Check it out. It's called Jungle. I remember that being fairly boring. What? No, no, no. You're thinking of like the Lost World of Z or some shit. Like that movie was. No, no. I saw boring. I saw Jungle. Maybe about maybe about a year ago, year and a half ago. Well, it's not a yeah, whole movie. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, no, I remember it. That's the reason why it probably saw, took so long to come out. Kind of dumb. <laughs> I'm kidding. I actually don't remember. <laughs> that it. How it works, man? I can't even believe. Like fucking Greg McLean made a movie called The Darkness. And I've never even heard of that shit. I mean, I know you like did Wolf Creek, Wolf Creek Two. Did Belko experiment? Did uh, what was that alligator crocodile movie? He did oh, uh, that's like that's really good until like the last five minutes when it becomes the shallows. <laughs> Rogue. What was that? Rogue. Yeah, Rogue. like the movie's amazing until like it gets in the layer and you're like, man, this oh, movie's man. dumb as fuck. No, I I liked it. All right, moving along here. Uh, next up is a film called The Villainous, Korean uh, revenge film. And, um, I don't want to go too much into it, but, uh, I dug it. They have some, these, some of the action choreography is a bit wonky, but I think the energy, uh, of the film and the twists and turns that it takes throughout this, uh, film kind of made up for it. It wasn't, I didn't like it as much as I thought I wanted to, but it's a really solid, um, Revenge film, um, and the actress. It's really fun. It's is awesome. It's Lefemme. So. It's Lefemme the Kita on crack. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. It's it's the plot of Lefemme the Kita. Yes. A girl gets groomed to be an assassin. She wants to have a life, and then 
bunch of bad shit happens to her, but it's got some great action sequences. The opening scene is fucking bonkers. You think, what was that first person flick uh, that came out a while ago that was kind of dumb? Hardcore Henry. Hardcore Henry. Think Hardcore Henry, but good. Um, and this opening scene is just, it's a motherfucker. It's great. And you know, my, honestly, my wife like, actually I, really I, did I it too. I didn't like Hardcore Henry all that much, but I will say that at least, like, there is just a little, there was just a little too much in the villainous where it was way too fake looking. At least okay. Hardcore Henry looked legit. It just didn't have a good story. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, but anyways, that's fair, whatever. That's, that's I, I still point. love the villainous. I think it's one of the better action movies of the year. Yep. Probably, totally. like, in the least top, like, five or ten action movies, for sure. Yeah. Worth checking I out. I actually Along- prefer the motorcycle, the motorcycle fight. Oh, that's pretty badass. Yeah, that's it's the, pretty good. That's the highlight of the. Yeah, that's the highlight of the movie. Um, watch this, like uh, if you're in a, if you want a kind of a kick ass a double feature, watch it with Atomic Blonde. I would say be fun. Or La Femme Nikita. Or La Femme Nikita. Or all three triple feature it. Or Point of No Return. The I just got that for like I just got that for like three bucks. Can't wait to watch it. All right, moving along. I uh, got this for $5 on Black Friday. I watched the Dark Tower adaptation. Starring McConaughey and Edgezelba. Well, The Gunslinger is one of my favorite books of all time. Like, hands down, I love that book. I haven't delved into the other books of the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. This, like, I don't know what they were thinking because... They decided to make a sequel to all of the books into an hour and a half film to basically tie all those books up, the storylines, tie it all together and end the whole series in an hour and a half. And it's bullshit. I don't understand why it took so long for them to adapt this. It's a horrible way to adapt uh, a story on its own as like a 90-minute kind of fantasy action flick maybe it can work if you've never read the source material but if you know anything about the source material if you've read that awesome graphic novel of the dark tower that's just an amazing adaptation itself uh you're gonna be extremely disappointed with this i just thought it was still pretty good matt mcconaughey is collecting a paycheck that's all i gotta say about that but awful adaptation Damn. Speaking of awful uh, adaptations, I saw Ben Affleck's Live by Night. And uh, I believe this is ba- it's, uh, it's based off of something. No, the screenplay's by Ben Affleck. Never mind. Uh, it's it's a bad uh, gangster flick. The first half is actually pretty good. You kind of get to know this character and everything. And then it just gets like, it screeches to a halt and gets incredibly dull. And you don't give a shit about him or anyone else in the film, and uh, it's probably Ben Affleck's worst directed film. Do not recommend. Another Black Friday that's, purchase. That's a that's a pretty big statement that that's his worst film. Is it's his worst directorial slash writing effort? How's that? No, I'm just I'm just giving you shit. I don't it's, think he's direct. Like I haven't seen Live by Night, but I mean the dude's got some. Fucking there's talent behind him. So there's it's a like, fan. Yeah. 
it seems rushed. I don't know what happened. Like, it seems like he had a really good idea going and then he kind of, he kind of just gave up or was rushed or couldn't finish it or, or something. Something is off about it. There's a really great, like, Model T car chase, <laughs> like this gangster car chase. Um, but it does the whole, like, there's way too many bullets flying and he gets off completely unscathed. So, like, you know, that kind of stuff. Cause he's normally very, very good about setting up an action sequence or a chase sequence. Um, but there's probably one cool scene in it and the rest of it. It just, it just starts just grinding to a halt and just, just becomes super slow and you don't care. He's just trying to build this casino and it's just, you know, just doesn't really go anywhere. Um, moving along to something that, that something that does go somewhere. This is a Kino was a Kino. Yeah. Uh, released the movie Rolling Vengeance. On Blu-ray, it's a 1987 revenge flick. Think, uh, I don't know, Death Wish with a monster truck. And uh, yeah. you'll pretty much think, get an idea what Rolling Vengeance is. It's a lot of fun. Takes a while to get to the monster truck, but uh, a pretty great payoff when it does uh, arrive. Ned Beatty is hamming it up. If you... Uh, Normally, he kind of plays these bumbling type uh, characters. He's a good character actor. Here, he's the villain. He's like a rock, he's like a fifty year old rockabilly bar owner, strip club owner, villain, and uh, it's fun. So, I can recommend Rolling Vengeance. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that, but I, I remember that being a little fun. It's fun if, if fun you like these types of movies, yeah. and you find this Blu-ray for cheap or. Um, I'm not sure, like, sometimes these movies are showing up on, like, Amazon Prime streaming and stuff like that. Like, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a good time. Um, next, I got two, I got two left, all right? Uh, next is, uh, Nicholas Riffin. How do you say his name? Uh, The Neon Demon. Riffin. Starring Ellie Fanning. Ellie Fanning was in Live by Night as well. Um, she's, she's getting to be a, a favorite actress of mine. She's pretty, she's always pretty good in, what she does. She's fantastic in Neon Demon. People have thought that this is kind of a pretentious film on reference parts. Uh, I really, really, really dug it. Um, I love the color palette of it. I love how everything was staged. I was enthralled with the story and the character. Um, and I, I just loved it. I just kind of went along for the ride and enjoyed every minute of this flick. So people will say that it's kind of shallow and whatever. Like, I think it's, it's just great stylish, uh, film. Ellie Fanning, Ellie Fanning totally, uh, dominates in this. She's fantastic. Anybody have cool. any thoughts on neon demon? No, I really <laughs> like it. I don't get I, the street. I don't get made the heat. Me profoundly sad. Hmm. <laughs> like I, I, I fell into a depression afterwards. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Wow, but not because it was bad or anything. It as kind. Of, I like. I agree with you that I don't think it's shallow at all, as stylish as it is. Um, it actually hit a lot of emotional points for me that I wasn't wow. expecting. That's interesting. Wow, that's that's you know in, in a way that's cool. Like uh, to to hear that a movie can be affecting like that. It's great. Not that you got depressed. That's not great. Yeah. Yeah. Here to hear, Sean. So it was great that I'm depressed. Everybody, I'm glad we got this on record. <laughs> All right, and uh, finally, I 
finally saw for the first time ever in my life um, the movie Wild Things, starring Kevin Bacon, Matt Dillon, Nev Campbell, and Denise Richards. Denise Richards. I was pausing for emotional effect. Um, <laughs> this movie is fun. And I, I always like thought it was just some kind of lame, like sexploitation or whatever, sexy time, erotic thriller. Um, it has that maybe, but like if you're going in expecting like a lot of sexy time, like, uh, you know, like showgirls, which that's a bad example because that sexy time is not very, uh, sexy, but, um, Wild Things is a lot of fun. It's kind of this like erotic-ish mystery wannabe sleazy noir. Kevin Dillon is uh, is great. Kevin Dillon, Kevin Bacon is great. Matt Dillon is fantastic, and uh, uh, but you know who steals this movie is uh, Bill Murray. Completely steals this movie. He's great. He plays kind of like this sleazy lawyer, Um, but uh, a lot of fun. And a lot of twists and turns, and I'd never seen it before. And um, everyone's talking about like Kevin Bacon's dick in it. It's like it's hardly even in it. Everyone, it's just you get like it's more like side yeah. dick, really. Don't so, don't just brush. Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> don't brush over his dick like that. <laughs> He's just turning in the shower to get grabbing a towel. Big deal. Like okay, yeah, you know. he gets to show his little pee pee. Like let, yeah. let just let it happen. All right, that was uh that that was me. I had some good, lot of lot of good stuff that I've been watching. I think. So, except for a couple that I told you were bad, but uh, all in all, though, fun, fun times. Cool, cool. All right, Steph, what do you got? Sorry, um. Um, because I've been sick for so very long, um, there's been a lot of comfort watching for me. Um, a few weeks ago, I saw Thor Ragnarok, and um, I loved it. And uh, um, I've been pretty eh about the Marvel movies. Um, some of them I've enjoyed a lot, but um, I've kind of been okay just seeing them once at the theater and not seeing them again. But that, like, I don't know what happened. It just sent me into like a fangirl mode. <laughs> um, so I've been rewatching a lot of the Marvel movies, uh, which I highly recommend if you're sick. Um, yeah, I'm, I I don't really get hyped on um, big event movies. I don't. I only watch trailers like if they're put right in front of me for like the big movies. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's just been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I think um, I'll still always defend Iron Man three, m- mostly because I'm a Shane Black stan. But I love our I love Iron Man three. Is that people hate it? Oh that yeah. Suck. Oh dude, yeah. that movie is widely hated. <laughs> fuck everyone hates that movie. I well fuck me then because I think it's the biggest <laughs> piece of you, shit Brad. in the world. <laughs> yeah, that and uh, Iron Man three, Thor two, and Thor three are definitely the fucking <sighs> bottom of the fucking barrel. Man. Oh jeez. Jesus, never mind. Brad, so anyway, uh, about Stephanie. how these movies make me profoundly happy. Oh, <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I've been in very random moods. I've been uh, re-watching some things I love, but um, 
you know, I've been uh, trying to um, check some other things out too. I finally watched Cube. Ooh. Um, which, you know, that's one of those movies I've been hearing about since I was a young teenager. That, you know, it, it's like Dark City where it has that like smaller, really devoted fan base. It's like, no, no, you got to see it. You got to see it. It's genius. So I finally sat down and um, I loved it. You know, it has seams all over the place. Um, it's a little bit clunky, but um, it's so innovative. Um, I think the actors did a great job. Um, and the lead actress and it was in kids in the hall. So that's like a hundred <laughs> points right there for me. Um, but it, it just, you know, you can see how influential, uh, this movie was too. It was a hell of a lot of fun. I'm glad I finally, uh, got around to seeing it. I'm going to have yeah. to see the sequel soon. The sequels, uh, I would say like cube two, like you can probably skip. Um, but Vincenzo Natale is the director, writer, director. He wasn't involved in the sequels. Cube Zero is actually kind of fun. It's a prequel. And that one, I think, is actually kind of a fun, not as good, but a kind of a fun sequel, kind of a little more world building. But Cube 2, like Hypercube or something like that, you can I can't like, watch. Hypercube. It's called Hypercube. I mean, I would say give it a shot, but I mean, definitely, it's definitely not as good. But uh, if, but even if, if you don't like, if you watch Cube 2 and you're like, oh, shit, I'm not going to go forward, like, give Cube Zero a chance for sure. But uh, I was going to ask you, Steph, have you seen Splice, Vincenzo Natale's other Oh, film? is that him? Yeah. The one with... Um, Adrian Brody and uh, yeah, Sarah yeah. Polly and... Um, yeah, yeah. I awesome. actually wasn't a huge fan of that one, so oh, I that's love interesting. It. <laughs> but I, I think I feel like Vincenzo Natale is a, a director. He's done a lot of TV and stuff. Um, he's done a couple of feature films. Like I, I would love to. I mean, Splice was so people were so divided on it. Like I don't think he got too much work after after Splice, unfortunately. But uh, he's a director that I really want to see. Do a lot Wait, more. so you like Splice? I love Splice. Oh, I love oh it. God. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, well, I, you know, I like creature features, and there's, you know, this one goes to some fucked up places. I always appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't enjoy it, but it looked great, and it definitely took some chances. He's not anyone who deserves to have his career or not. He's done like places. some. Yeah, he's done some Hannibal stuff, uh, Orphan Black. He strange. had that really awful fucking ghost movie that was fucking stupid Oh, as Haunter? Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that movie's fucking garbage. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's sad. He's a director. I like I've, you, I've heard but... some interviews with him. I really like him as a, as a person. Like, I really, I feel like Splice kind of, unfortunately, like, maybe he, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he was a little too confident on Splice and kind of, you know. But I like Splice a lot, so I don't know. Whatever. Judge me. Judge away, people. I already did. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Another <laughs> one I branched out on was um, The Devil's Honey, the Lucio Fulci movie. Oh, nice. I need how, to watch that. How'd that movie make you feel? <laughs> that was 
<laughs> okay. Um, I didn't go in completely blind. I knew, you know, it's like an erotic thriller. There was a trend at the time with Italian movies, like really cranking those out. But uh, wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, even knowing it was Fulci, I I really wasn't used to seeing it's like 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 the foot scene in New York Ripper. If you're like, yeah, let's make an entire film feel like this <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I. There, you know, it was filmed really well. Um, I thought when it did try to, it was a little more quiet and emotional. I thought um, it was fairly successful with that. Um, like a lot of Italian erotic thrillers, some of the emotional cues made no sense, um, but the the lead still had um, good chemistry. But it is um, crazy. Sorry, my dogs are fighting. I apologize for the interruption. No, I've always liked The Devil's Honey. It's it's just one of those movies that, like, you remember. Like, it's one of the, like, because I remember getting into Fulci, watching a lot of the horror stuff, and then I stumbled across that, and I was like, oh, man, can't wait to see what this is. And I watched it, and I was young at the time. I was probably, like, you know, 13. And, oh, um, God. Yeah, I watched it, and I was like, oh my fucking God, like, what is, like, why, these movies, like, I remember, like, watching, like, erotic thrillers of the 90s, you know, American films, but this said something, this one was just slimy and dirty, like, slimier and dirtier, I guess. Yeah, like, the the scene with the nail polish, I was almost like, man, I don't know if I'm still old enough to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. I need to move this to top my, uh, to watch pile. Especially after Wild Things, yeah, it's yeah, it's great it's, date night movie. Definitely. Yeah, you will definitely get some. <laughs> you might not like what you get some of. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get something. So oh, it's the Severin released the entire like, like the long version right because that movie's been yeah. like trimmed down for years like yeah, this is un- the uncut okay cool or whatever yeah and it, it looks gorgeous um, that's nice you uh, can really see every little bit of it and crystal <laughs> clarity it's great um another one completely the opposite way of the devil's honey i finally saw crime wave Oh, wow. That, that movie's a ton of... The Ramy film? Mm-mm. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I need to take a lot of tea breaks. Um, yeah. Uh, like Brad, I'm a huge fan of the Evil Dead films. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, I remember uh, back when I was first really into the Evil Dead movies and reading about what else they did in their career. And I was like, wow, there's like a caper comedy that um, Sam Raimi wrote with the Coen brothers and Bruce Campbell's in it. That's amazing. And um, it's, uh, it's definitely like, it's very madcap. Um, all their influences from the three stooges are everywhere. It's very, very, very silly. Um, and Brian James is in it, who I'm a big fan of. And 
seeing him be almost a cartoon character was a lot of fun because he's usually pretty, pretty intimidating. Um, but this is such a goofy throwback movie. Um, it was a lot of fun to see. Uh, and it just dissolves that you see and like dark man and seeing them having it in this. It, it was really cool to see them do something that isn't an evil dead movie at that stage of their career. So I need to see this. I've never, I've never heard of this. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a ton of fun, man. Came out on Blu-ray, right? I think in the, uh, yeah, it was a shout factory. Yeah. Yeah. A few what? years ago they released it. Yeah. How did I miss this. Okay. I'm going to spend money right now on the show. <laughs> You're so badass. Did I get a commission? Oh, I know why I didn't buy it. The cover's awful. I was like, what the fuck is this shit? I didn't even yeah. like, bother even. I didn't even bother. Judging a book by its cover. Totally, of course. I, yeah, I'm not. I did that, of course. Yeah, coming from Shout Factory, Screen Factory has the fucking worst commission artwork ever. <laughs> oh, wait, they used the original poster. Never mind. Oh, did they? Oh, okay. They didn't yeah. pull like, a Criterion do something completely shitty like the election day artwork or the brood artwork yeah no this is i think it's the original poster okay all right VHS, well, then, okay well I'll, I'll forgive them but i'm gonna add this to i'm gonna add this to my wish list how's that i'll, I'll do that for now it's pretty good all right to anyone else if you can kind of squint when you look at the cover uh, it's a lot of fun if you like slapstick and Awesome. Yeah, it's the Coen Brothers of Sam Raimi. Yeah, I mean that alone like sells me on it. Yeah. And then uh, I'll just do one more. Um, I finally saw Personal Shopper. Oh yeah. And uh, I was a little nervous about it just because um, I get nervous when everyone's in love with something. <laughs> Not because I'm a contrarian or anything. It, I just it makes me nervous that. I believe in jinxing things, I guess, but it, it was I'm the same way. Yeah. It, no, it, it was lovely. Um, uh, Kristen Stewart, who I've always been a fan of. I've never held twilight against her. Like that's no. a big break to have early in your career. And you know, ever since she was like in panic room, she's been great and she's only getting better. She is so natural. And just cool in this without trying to be cool. Um, uh, it's it's a it's a simple plot. A lot happens in it, but yeah. uh, it kind of floats you from scene to scene. And uh, it's it's one of those films I like a lot where I feel like I can kind of just surrender to it. My brain isn't trying to figure anything out. I'm just experiencing it completely, and it's gorgeous. And um, even though it's a slow-moving, quiet movie, it was uh, a lot of fun in a weird way. It's not a fun film, but it was such a total experience. Um, I can see why so many crazy for it. Uh, it was very lovely. I'm glad I finally watched it. Yeah, I cr- top 10 or 11 today, and I, I couldn't... Like that and Ghost Story, I think they're a perfect, perfect pair. Um, to to like double feature or at least watch in the same week. Um, both really beautiful and lovely movies. 
I was never really a fan. I, I gave this one a free pass because never been a Kristen Stewart fan. Um, and I do hold Twilight against her because <laughs> I had to sit through those fucking movies. <laughs> I've watched them, sadly. I've never seen um, a Twilight but yeah, film. She, Proud of that. It was uh, American Ultra. That oh, you yeah. have a lot of things to be ashamed about. So, um, <laughs> wow. But yeah, Amer- American I Ultra do. was the movie that I was like, all right. I, I mean, it was a simple movie for her. I mean, she was still like playing Kristen Stewart, but you know, I was like, okay, you know, I, I, I can dig this. And then, um, yeah, I watched Personal Shopper when it hit on demand, and I was just, I was blown away by it. Awesome. And I was never wow. real. I was, I mean, she's a cute girl, but. There's the one sequence in Personal Shopper where it was it was a little awkward to probably be in the room with me watching that movie. <laughs> I, I was like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, Kristen Stewart. Okay, hello. You're on, you're on my radar now. Uh, yeah, she's I got the way. You know, whenever I see Daniel Radcliffe, I uh, try to do a sex scene. That's how I feel too. Wait a minute. Whoa. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's what Brad's talking about. <laughs> so, I'm all kidding. right. Well, okay. let's see. I'm going to blow through a lot of these quickly because I have like 115. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, no, I've, dude, the last time we watched, uh, talked. All right. So, um, <laughs> let's see here. I. We'll start with, I think I talked about Wolves at Your Door already. That was the Manson movie. Uh, yeah. All right. So I saw Thor 3. Hated it. Like usual. Um, <laughs> I, dude, I, here's, okay, here's. Just here's give one. up on Marvel movies, man. Like, they're not for you. Just, just give up on All them. All right. So I watched Wonder Woman. Okay. All right. I was prepared to fucking hate the shit out of Wonder Woman. And I I thoroughly enjoyed fucking Wonder Woman. I thought it was fantastic. Um, it's got so much heart. It was it, I'm finally watching a comic book movie that doesn't have like Thor does has 32 characters for comic relief. You know, uh, it's it's very serious. Um, it does have some lighthearted little comedic moments, but for the most part. It's uh, it's just a it's a good action movie. It's got great characters, and I'm kind of excited to see uh, Wonder Woman two, which I wasn't expecting to say at all. Then I watched Spider Man Homecoming. That was probably one of the worst um, uh, Marvel movies it's I've shit. ever seen. Spider Man Homecoming is shit, everybody. The worst yeah, Spider Man movie. Actually, no, I the worst one. It's the worst one. I would no. say Spider Man Homecoming is probably worse than Thor three. What's happening right now? <laughs> so, yeah, complete garbage. Um, and then I know uh, we're going to get shit for this, Sean, but I'll mention it. Um, I, I was, this is, Willow and I had like a whole like weekend where Janice uh, went camping with her girlfriends. So Willow and I just plowed through like, you know, 37 movies. And um, she wanted to watch Transformers 5. Um, you know what? Transformer movies are dumb. But I will say five. I've seen them all just because Willow really likes them. Um, I, I will say that part five is definitely the best of the series, which is crazy it's, to say. It's, uh, but it's, it's the best It's sequel. charming. It's charming. It has a fun story. Anthony Hopkins, 
I it was hard to say because like when I saw Anthony Hopkins was going to be in the movie, I was like, man, this is a paycheck. But he is thoroughly enjoying himself in that fucking movie. Yeah, like he's in it a lot, and he's and he's a lot of fun. Um, it's a great, stupid, fucking movie. Um, very fun. Uh, saw The Exorcist for the first time. I don't know if I've I, whoa, I whoa, tweeted whoa, that whoa, out. Whoa, 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 yeah, yeah. the series. Yeah. That you mean the series? No, no, no. The movie, the movie, the first one. Yeah. So this blows uh, my mind. Back, I, I mean, <laughs> I won't talk. I won't talk about the movie because everybody loves it, and it's it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, but it's one of those movies where uh, it's kind of like Jaws because I saw Jaws for the first time a couple years ago as well. That you see so many uh, parodies of it. You see so many homages to it. You see so many clips of it. You hear everybody talk about it. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen The Exorcist. But really, I've never sat down and watched it from start to finish. I know everything about it. I know everything that's going to happen. But I've actually never seen the movie. Um, Wow. And it's fantastic. So that's easy. Um, Good job. Jigsaw, which here's another one. I fucking hate the Saw films. I like the first one. Second one is bland, but it's, it's serviceable. But Jigsaw is a lot of fun, and it and it takes it takes the series um, in a little. It still feels like a Saw film, but they finally took that ugly looking blue and green gel out of the fucking lens <laughs> and actually made the movie look a little normal. Um, the only thing I would say that was a little was kind of a downer. For Jigsaw is that about 15 minutes into the movie, Willow and I are the only ones in the theater. And I turn to Willow and I'm like, this is what's happening. And she's like, nah, <laughs> this is what's going on. And I turned out to be right. And I was like, OK, it's pretty easy. What's like the, the, the twist, I guess you could say. But as far as a Saw movie goes, and this is Saw 8, it's definitely the best and has a, a lot of great little moments. Um, but, but that's like for that in Transformers five, I'm just like, I'm saying that very lightly. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can I'm saying that for really shitty movies that are actually turned. These, <laughs> there's the thing is these movies are, I think are going to be super shitty. They're not great, but when you go in thinking of a movie like that, it turns out to be okay that it's like, Whoa, this is awesome. <laughs> I didn't this waste two hours of my life. Holy yeah. God. I didn't waste like transformers is three hours fucking long. Basically. I didn't, I didn't feel like I wasted time. <laughs> so that's a huge success for me. Um, uh. and then I finally got around to watching, uh, this is actually a first time watch for me this year. I, I talked about it on the show a few months ago. Um, it came out in 2014. I don't know why I didn't watch it. It's just whenever spy stuff comes up, I'm not a big spy espionage suit and tie with like Walter PP seven, like bond and shit. I've never actually seen, I've only seen one bond movie in my life, but um, I watched the Kingsman and I loved the shit out of it. Finally got around to the sequel and um, I loved it just as much. And I was really uh, satisfied with uh, the Kingsman too. Um, I know a lot of people like Sean and I talked about this uh, offline is that a lot of people, I guess didn't like the sequel, but I think it holds up. I think it amp like everything that was kind of silly in the Kingsman, they amplify a little bit. So maybe that's why people didn't like it. Cause it does get a little crazy, but for the most part, the characters and um, 
uh, kind of meeting the statesman. Even though Channing Tatum's like in the trailer, don't go in thinking that Channing Tatum's <laughs> in this movie. Like it's the actually the other guy with the lasso that's uh, that's kind of the co-star. I'll probably end um, in this because I was like I was kind of. You know, lukewarm on Kingsman originally because I was just like, because I've seen every freaking spy movie ever made, and I was kind of like, wow, this is just not a spy movie. And then Samuel L. Jackson was a little annoying as the villain, uh, but there was the really awesome like church massacre scene that I love. This, so kinda this has something and, like, and him like all excited that he gets to have like butt sex with this girl that's like. You know, held hostage at the end. I was kind of like, ah, it was a weird way to end the movie. You know, yeah, like, people were really weirded out by the ending. I remember that was the like the first thing I it's heard no big about. Deal. It. it was just kind of like, but, um, what? It's kind of like when right. Dodgeball. I ends, thought it was funny when Dodgeball ends. The the and Vince Vaughn's excited because he gets to have like a threesome with these guys. Like it ends on like I could have a threesome, and then it ends. It's like what? What a weird way to end a movie. You're the only person to fucking reference dodgeball <laughs> in a conversation. Well, that's what that Kingsman, that's what that, Christ. that's what it reminded um, me of. It was like, you know, it was like, well, that was weird. He's all like, like seriously, like, there supposed is, to be like super excited that he gets to have butt sex with this girl and like in her cell when he lets her free. Like, that's weird. Right? I was excited about it. <laughs> I mean, you find a girl, you're going to rescue her. And she says, "Hey, if you rescue me, rescue me. I'll let you do anything. I'll let you put it in my butt. Like, <laughs> why not? It's a weird reward. I don't know. Motivation. That, motivation. I that guess. Sounds, I guess. That sounds like like if someone said this to me, I'd say, yeah, sure. I'm going to say the shit out of you. Um, so I'd be like, well, we can go uh, and grab a latte. But, Just grab a latte. But, hey, latte's on me. I'll take." into the sequel and it is actually pretty funny awesome because they the, the butt sex and that person come comes up in the sequel oh, does um it's a plot fantastic <laughs> so but if you like if you like the church scene in um in the kingsman uh there is there's two scenes there that um kind of not mimic but are kind of like that in, in a way one involves a Prince song, and I thought it was fucking okay. fantastic. Um, and then I actually got done seeing three billboards tonight. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I know that it's getting a lot of praise, but I'm kind of confused on why. Hmm. I thought it, I thought it was okay. I, I, I enjoyed the film, but I didn't love it. Um, but I guess I'm. You know, that's how I feel about the film. But on the other side, I'm really confused of why I love it so much. Yes, it has probably some of the best uh, actors. And as far as uh, portraying characters is really great. But I'm trying to separate that from the actual movie. Um, but I mean, all around, I don't think anybody's going to hate it. I think everybody will enjoy it. But uh, I don't know. Um, and the other film that I saw at the theater uh, a couple days ago was Lady Bird, which made my um, top uh, top ten for sure. I don't really movies too often, but I probably broke down like two or three. Bird, um, <laughs> it's uh, it's fantastic. It's it's beautiful. Um, I know that's another one that's up for debate as far as like uh, criticisms go. Um, Maybe we'll talk about it when it hits uh, Blu-ray. Get into the I'm going to see it tomorrow. I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I've been hearing some I great think, things about it. Yeah, 
really like it. Um, Waiting for Guffman finally came out on Blu-ray. This is one of my favorite Christopher <laughs> Guest movies. Um, awesome. It's fucking funny as shit. I mean, if you like Christopher Guest, uh, if you know who Christopher Guest is, if you've watched any of his uh, previous films, this is one of his uh, first films that he directed. Uh, I think it is the first film. Oh, wait, no, he directed Almost Heroes bullshit. Was that before or after? Waiting for Guffman. He directed that Almost Heroes movie. But as far as like uh, his mockumentaries go, this is his first film that he directed. Rob Reiner directed Spinal Tap, but very much mm-hmm. on the line of that, if anybody hasn't seen it, Best in Show and, and stuff like that. He's yeah. he's a very funny director. He, he He's very good at subtle comedy, which uh, I absolutely love. I think the funniest things in his film, tiny, tiny things. Um Oh, uh, when Arrow Guffman release. is when, uh, um, oh gosh, Parker Posey's works at the DQ, right? Well, it, it, are you uh, there? She's Hello? in with Hello? him. Hello? She's just, Hello? I can hear you. Hi. Oh, you're, you're breaking up. Hi, Sean. Um, back to Parker Posey. Wait, who's breaking up? You were a little bit, but, uh, back to Parker Posey. She's great. But she she was she plays a character that is that is this one where she plays the character that works at the DQ? She's like naming off all the blizzards. Yeah. yeah. That's what I, that, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I love this movie so much. Um next up was uh Arrow released Children of the Corn on Blu-ray, which looks really great. It's been on Blu-ray over here for a little while from like Image or something like that, and it's mm-hmm. it's been okay, but Whatever. Um, it's definitely uh, a better package. It looks it looks great. I actually started watching some of the other Children of the Corn films, and I actually stopped at four because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my life. <laughs> yeah. um, How many are there? There's like nine. Oh, yeah. I, I four was really really tough. Um, <sighs> I, I was watching them with Willow, and I said, "You want to watch part five? And she just like she almost got tears in her eyes. She was like <laughs> begging me to stop. I was like, "Am I being All right. punished?" Yeah, it was, she was like, these are terrible, I can't do it. And I was like, yeah, Children of the Corn 2 isn't all that bad, but the rest are really, uh, yeah, they're not good. Um, I talked about this film before, but it recently hit Blu-ray, so I, I, I popped it in to check the transfer. It's fine. Another Warner Archive uh, title, but Green Slime. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed this one quite a bit. Um, it's really weird. Um, the backstory of them making it is uh, is pretty interesting. This is the director of Battle Royale making a movie in the fucking 60s. Um, I believe it's the director of Battle Royale. I can't – I'm having a brain fart right now. But anyways, he, he did this like joint film with uh, like an American company casting American actors, uh, casting a bunch of kids as the aliens, um, terrible aliens. But um, it, it's just a really corny and neat little movie. Um, a movie that I've been waiting for to come out on Blu-ray for quite some time. It's been on DVD from War Archive. One of my favorite slashers, and this is still a, 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 a uh, through and through. So if you're a, a big fan of Jelly, you'll see a lot of the similarities. But it's Night School. Um, Night School. Yeah, it's it's I got, got that too. it's it's <laughs> so good. It's got a great it's got a great look of a killer um it's got some great death scenes um it it it's very good at like kind of homaging fulci at times but it's a really tight tight film and i i enjoy it quite a bit 
here's a film that you'll love, Sean. Um, I think I told you about it a few, few times, so you need to get out your wish list. I'm a okay. big fan of Shane Ab- uh, Shane Abbas. I think he's a f- fantastic director, mainly because he knows how to work a movie with a very small budget. He makes them look grand and spectacular. I saw this movie, I think it was 2016. Fantastic Fest, but it's called The Cyrus Child Science oh. Fiction Book. Dude, it just showed up in my mailbox today. Yeah, I, I talked about it before. It's it's um, it's a very normal story. There's not like any twists and turns. It's a very bland, uh, familiar story, I guess you could say. But it's it's how Shane Abbas makes this look like a fucking fifty million dollar movie. But I I still want to know what the budget of this movie was because I don't think it was over a couple million. I really don't. But when you watch it, you're like, man, this is fucking some epic shit. Uh, it's got great practical effects. He has these huge creatures that are in the film that are all practical. I don't think there's any digital effects with these guys and they just look fantastic. And it's got a, it's kind of a sweet story and, uh, you can stick with Kellen Lutz. He's, he's fine, but he's also terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm watching released, I'll watch it with your kids, man. It's it's uh, it's a lot okay. of fun. I think like, um, it's weird that they did the uh, the subtitle like uh, science fiction volume one. Like I feel like that's just uh, you'll does see. that make any sense with the film? You'll see. Okay, all right. Well, no, I imagine he's going to do a big like a trilogy with these. Well, yeah, things, but why is he calling it like science fiction volume one? That's just kind of sounds. Kind I don't of know. Weird. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of I don't cool. I don't mind I you know just So yeah, I can't next wait. up I, was a film that I've wanted to s- Go ahead. No, we're good. I I just can't wait to watch it. I'm excited. You talking about my I, movie? I, I had forgot that you I had pre-ordered like it. And it showed up on in my mailbox and I like friggin' you know squealed with glee as I opened up my uh, little yellow uh padded envelope. It's it's I think I think with you I think you'll really really love it. If anybody's a fan of sci-fi, um I think it's a great sci-fi movie and I mean it, watch Infinity as well as another film that he did. Yeah. Um no, no Infinity yeah, awesome. he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a really talented dude. Um another one was a uh, Intervision uh release. This is a movie that I've wanted to see for quite some time. I was never able to find a decent looking copy of it, so Severin uh, put this out on um, on DVD. But it was called Beyond the Seventh Door. Um, man, this movie is weird as shit. <laughs> it's got this actor; his name's Lazar Rockwood, and he's like this pseudo like Tommy Wiseau character who, like, I mean, it's like it's watching. This is this is this is. This is all I'm going to say about the film. And if this doesn't get you to watch the movie, I failed. Imagine Tommy Wiseau in a Saw movie. <laughs> that's what Beyond the Seventh Door is. And that's what I'm going to leave you with. Oh, hi, Death uh, um, That's very much what it's like. Um, got around to watching the Mill Creek uh, quote-unquote 4K <laughs> of Night of Living Dead. It the transfer's not good at all. Come on, guys. <laughs> Who the fuck are you kidding? Oh man, um, Criterion's gonna knock that out of the park. And if you yeah. if, if you pre ordered that early yeah. on, you you you're getting it for eighteen bucks because of Black Friday. So that'll be worth it. Wait for the Criterion, yeah, everybody. 
there's a Japanese Blu-ray of Night of Living Dead. It looks really great, but I'm sure Criterion's gonna knock it out of the park. The Mill Creek thing is cheap, and I think it actually comes with uh, come with a digital code. Yeah, yeah but it's a weird digital code. Like it's not like digital. You, it's not like ultraviolet. Like it's uh, you have to sign up for their thing, and it doesn't sync up with uh, your your own shit. So whatever. Weird. Um. Another, I, I bought a lot of, uh, I buy a lot of more archive. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, like 50 more? 50 more to talk about? Yeah, about 50 more. <laughs> but show, Showdown in Little Tokyo, one of my fa- favorite Brandon Lee films, a great action movie with Dolph Lundgren. They make a dynamic duo. Um, it's been out on Blu-ray for a little while, I think, on uh, Warner Archive, but a lot of fun nonetheless. <laughs> Happy holidays, everybody. This is Josh Obershaw for what appears to be the final news segment for 2017. It's kind of funny that I'm doing this by myself, considering the start of 2017, I was doing this by myself. So what a way to cap off uh, what I think it has been a great year for uh, Blu-ray releases, but 2018 is already shaping up to be pretty spectacular. So why don't we get right to it to find out what we can expect in the coming months and we're gonna start off with criterion collection they announced two big horror films for their february slate starting with the silence of the lambs which comes out on february 13th but also coming out on february 13th yes folks the rumors are true it's going to be george a romero's night of the living dead that one is going to be chock full of extras some of which were included on the Elite Entertainment DVD that came out several years ago. But nonetheless, we are getting Night of the Living Dead in a 4K restoration. How cool is that? All right, moving right along. Warner Brothers has set a release date of January 9th for the blockbuster horror hit It. Next up, Scorpion Releasing have set a firm January 23rd release date for their special edition Blu-ray of Dario Argento's opera, which I've already pre-ordered. Yay. Dark Sky Films have announced a February 6th release date for Victor Crowley, a.k.a. Hatchet 4. Mondo Macabro have set a February 13th release date for The Blood Splattered Bride. And also from Image, Image Entertainment, excuse me, Brawl in Cell Block 99. That one comes out actually on December 26th. Next up, I know Brad is very, very excited about this. Vestron Video have announced Class of 1999. That one comes out on January 30th. Also coming out on that day, Ken Russell's Gothic. Next, we are moving on to Arrow Video. They also announced their February slate. Their UK-only release will be Dirtatus King. That one comes out on February 26th. Their UK-US releases. First up, The Gruesome Twosome, which comes out on February 5th in UK and the 6th here in the States. There's going to be a standard edition of The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. That one is coming out on February 12th and February 13th, respectively, as well as the film Scalpels, which is coming out on actually the 19th and the 20th, respectively. But what's really exciting is their one and only U.S. release for February. It's going to be a limited edition of Basket Case. 
I already own this one on Blu-ray from uh, Something Weird Video, but this just looks too sweet to pass up. So it's already on uh, pre-order. So go and check it out and decide for yourself. Now we're moving on to Shout Factory, and we're going to start with Shout Select. They have set a January 9th release date for Joe Dante's matinee, but also they recently announced they're also going to be doing a collector's edition of Dante's 1989 film, The Burbs. That one is coming out on March 20th. So if you guys were disappointed with the Best Buy exclusive Blu-ray, fear not. This one is probably going to be packed and good because that movie is awesome. Screen Factory. They've set a March 6th release date for The Strangers. That's going to be a collector's edition. As well as Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. We know that. But the release date is going to be March 27th. They're also going to be releasing Fangs of the Living Dead on March 6th. The Ambulance comes the Blu-ray on March 13th, as well as the horror comedy Rockula. That one comes out on March 20th. Finally, Vinegar Syndrome. They had a pretty spectacular uh, Black Friday sale. In addition to their limited edition of Liquid Sky, which they previously announced, we also got two surprise Blu-rays. Horror films. Ice Cream Man with uh, Clint Howard and Disconnected which had never been on DVD before. Now Liquid Sky is completely sold out but there are still copies of Ice Cream Man and Disconnected so if you didn't get them on Black Friday better get them quick. And they're already working on stuff for 2018 including their January 2018 Blu-ray package which will include the previously announced Penitentiary and Fugitive Girls, but also a double feature Blu-ray DVD combo, Lucifer's Women and Dr. Dracula. You can actually get all of these together as just a Blu-ray only package. That one's like 64 bucks, which is pretty sweet. But if you want the entire package, that one is going to be 40% off until the January 30th street date. Now, the uh, the DVD-only movies that we're going to be getting are Young Girls Do and the Picarama Collection, which includes the movies Velvet High and Summertime Blue. So that's it. That's all the announcements I have this week. Therefore, that's all the announcements I have for 2017. Thank you guys for an awesome year. Thank you everybody for listening thanks to sean and brad for inviting me on to this crazy podcast i just love doing this and i hope to hear you guys again in 2018 take care and once again happy holidays section of the show where we talk about some vinegar syndrome oh yeah let me pull up my list here get everything listed out let me get everything in the right order hold on my my stupid ass dogs like these dogs lay around and do nothing until i sit down to record a podcast and then they're at my feet this is like clockwork every freaking time we record 
They're at my feet fighting. It's so stupid. <laughs> Sorry you're having to deal with that. It's it's just annoying. I'm getting used to it so I can actually keep a train of thought, but it's uh it's just dumb. Alright. <clears throat> so I ha what I what I just did was I sorted out the movies that we're gonna spend some time on. Uh these first three Blu-rays will mention uh will breeze through fairly quickly, but I do want to mention them just because they were released and they we, we gotta just at least give them a little shout out here. Um, but, uh, you know, we don't have a whole lot to say about them. So let's, uh, jump right into this. The first one I'll mention really quick is Ed Wood's Orgy of the Dead, a film by A.C. Steven, aka yeah. Girls in a Fake, uh, in, in a, in a fake graveyard, go, go dance topless with bad looking monsters. Right. It's pretty much pretty harsh. I mean, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those movies that I don't know. It's a good background movie if you're having a party. That's exactly yeah. what I was gonna say. Like, this is yeah. something maybe Halloween time. You got you're you're planning a party and you have the right people coming over that are totally gonna enjoy this as a background thing. Throw this on. There's gonna be some fun to be had. But this isn't a movie. The um, interview on it, I feel like I'm the only person that watches these interviews. <laughs> um, it's uh, with one of the uh, dancer actresses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, she's adorable. She's so charming. And the whole behind the scenes of that was pretty interesting. So that that is worth a look. Was, was that with a Nad- Nadejda? Doprev? Yeah, I'm gonna let you try to pronounce that. Yeah. No, I, I, I had to watch some of the special features on this because I was like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" Because I watched <laughs> this like over my lunch break, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, I'm gonna sit down here and uh, check this out." And uh, I, I, oh my god! So I had when I, I mean, I could obviously fit it all in during my lunch break. I, had to, I was like, I need to watch some special features of this thing to see what the hell happened with this. All right, so is that that's all we got for Orgy of the Dead? Probably. I don't think I have anything else to say. I mean, it is what it is. It's an Ed Wood movie. I mean, well, he wrote it, and um, yeah. the script is uh, complex and as rich <laughs> as you could imagine. Um, but I do agree; it is like it would be a cool background, like in a bar movie, and that's yeah. about all I could recommend it. Well, that's right. It's not directed by Ed Wood, right? It's... Uh, yeah, I said it's uh, A.C. Steven. But the thing yeah. is, like, I mean, he, he obviously wrote this on, like, a napkin. It's like, uh, there's two people, uh, they die. And uh, they end up in, like, a weird graveyard. And then, like, uh, the vampire monster, the vampire monster dad shows up. Um, and Girls dance and take off their clothes in various stages. Who the fuck is AC? Chriswell will love this. And that's it. Like that's the script right there. AC Steven? I don't even know who that is. I've never. It's, it's got to be somebody's fake name. It's got to be. You know, I don't know. 
All right, moving along. We're spending way too much time on Orgy of the Dead. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> uh, Trip with Teacher. This is a 1974 film about a teacher and her students who are on a field trip who basically get kidnapped by these asshole, drugged-up, biker motherfuckers. It's okay. Wow. You you sounded very upset about what happens to those people. Those bikers are assholes. You tell, Sean. I haven't <laughs> seen this movie, but you tell. It's uh it's okay. It's, it's um, fine. It's 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 okay, like for what I mean it's a nineteen seventy four, you know, biker teacher and students movie. I don't know. Like and they're they're kidnapped. But um It's there's... a it's before Zalman King went crazy. Okay. It's it and it's and it's his like it's like revenge. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be like it. I feel it's one of those films that it wants to be a lot of things and just really can't decide where it wants to go. I don't know. It's it's just there. It's it's one of those old Mill Creek DVD box sets or like group movies where um, kind of like Malibu High and stuff yeah. like that that also Vinegar Syndrome releases. It's those. It's those, uh, it's, it's Crown, Crown International. Yeah, is the an international yeah, movies must, that are yeah. try to be like sexy. They try to they try to cash in, and couldn't do it. Yeah. So. So we have two failures of sexy so far. This is going well. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, well, I mean, Dribble Teacher. Like, I don't know if they're trying to be sexy. Like, they're trying to sell the exploitation angle, but it like it never really goes there like um it, it, i feel like it just doesn't have enough to stand on in the, in the exploitation angle because it, it's a teacher and her like 17 year old students like I, I don't know and the i mean these it's just i don't know it it kind of feels lazy it's kind of it feels like this came out with a there must have been a bunch of exploitation films coming out around the same time, and somebody and Crown International. Yeah, it was the seventies. Feel- they were everywhere. Yeah, well, Crown International. That's what I'm saying. It, it doesn't know where it was. Like it doesn't know what it wants to be. Yeah. Oh, oh, my dogs are fighting. You guys, settle down. Seriously, seriously, Bailey and Charlie. It's past nine o'clock. It's chill time. Grab your bones and shut the fuck up. All right, <clears throat> moving along. I'm not editing this shit out at all. This is what we're doing. This is going to be really good for the um, for everybody. <laughs> uh, the, the next blurry here is uh, 1971's The Corpse Grinders, directed yes. by Ted V. Mickles. No. This is kind of like this is. What'd like you an, say? What'd you say his last name was? Yes. Michaels? You're cutting out. Michaels? It's just Michaels. I Michaels. Believe. Okay. Um This is this is got is a 1971 film. Like it was exactly what I thought it would be. It's kind of an odd um I don't know. Uh what 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 made me laugh though was like that, you know, basically bodies are being ground into uh, cat food, and that food is making cats go psycho. That made me laugh quite a bit. The opening scene, uh, I was howling. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the movie doesn't make any fucking sense. It's it's <laughs> weird. It's got weird character. It's got super weird characters, and I think that's why I like the movie so much. Is that it's it's nineteen seventy one. You know, uh, probably written in the late sixties, uh, made in seventy. Getting ready for the seventy one release. Um, it's so different from a lot of movies that were coming out around that time. Um, it's it's a horror film. It's a comedy. But it, what I like about it so much is it's got so many crazy fucking characters, and that's what's so unique about it. Um, and, and, and Ted. Ted Michaels is he he likes characterization, he likes wacky things, and I think this is one of those films that really kind of kickstarted because he's kept he made even sequels to Corpse Grinders like in the <laughs> late two thousands before he died. I think he made like two additional films. I don't know if he directed them both, but um, you know I've watched those two. Obviously, I, I don't care for those as I do as much as the. Corpse Grinders, because he made those out of the success and the kind of the cult following of the original film. But I mean, it's it's taking that kind of Ed Wood element, um, you know, of uh, kind of a DIY um, attitude, but also putting a little bit uh, something more uh, memorable and just not like a cash grab. He was making films to really kind of stand out and be remembered. I felt like that's, that's how I feel watching some of the 10 Ted Mickles films, especially like kind of his earlier films, like the black Klansman and stuff like that. He was making these films to, you know, to kind of be iconic. It felt like he knew what would make him last. It feels weird. Like, you know, a director thinking, okay, how do I, I can be remembered think that was his whole but i think that was something that he maybe was aware of that he needed to be different and i think that's why he was successful around that time um and he continued to be successful until the day he died um and he he watched a lot of movies he was a big film lover in general um and he loved films from ed wood and and things like that uh you know even some something like you know, uh, he liked the TNA side of, of cinema. He liked the sexploitation. He liked the horror. He liked, you know, the sexploitation. And he just he just jumbled all that stuff together and, and made these movies in his life. Uh, you know, and he had a fairly decent career, you know, into the uh, late 80s making films like this. And I think that that's why Corpse Grinder is a little bit more special to me watching it. Like, if you just watch Corpse Grinder just a one-off at night, and not know anything about it. Yeah, it's it's not a very good. It's a terrible movie. Um, but with kind of the his, the history about Ted Michaels and what he was doing, and and comparing it to what was around that time, I think Corpse Grinders is special. Um, if that makes any sense, I know that you know you're supposed to watch a film for what it is, but sometimes backstories, background, mm-hmm. things like that can be a little bit more motivation to watch a movie or sometimes you might enjoy a movie a lot more. I I know for example, you might watch something that's like, Oh, that movie was okay. Hey, they filmed that movie for a hundred dollars. Holy shit. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. I, I, I think it's the same thing with, with kind of something with corpse grinders about Ted Michaels. Uh, yeah. Career. Dude, yeah, that, that happens to me. Um, Cause he, go ahead. Go ahead, Stephanie. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. 
No, no, you go. I insist. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> no, he ended up, I live in Las Vegas and he ended up here and, um, he worked with a lot of young filmmakers out here, like um, Drew, Drew Marvick, Marvick who was on from the yeah, Apple Party Massacre. Um, and he had a really cool impact here, a lot like Ray Dennis Steckler, who also ended up here. And um, I kind of feel like I'm chasing both their ghosts sometimes. I have like a bunch of old movie magazines that Ray Dennis Steckler and his wife used to own that I found at a random smoke shop thrift shop and <laughs> i bought some of um ted's old videotapes that when Penn Gillette was moving and he was having a sale like a couple months before ted died last year um and i agree with you like kind of like living in the town um and then going back and seeing what they've made i i I'm with you. I can't watch it uh, without thinking about the person who made it and yeah. the work that went into it. It adds a lot of charm. Um, I don't it, think there's anything wrong with that. No, no. no. And I, I, I've, I've never known the guy, um, but the stories I've heard, he was just like an amazing person, like as far as like how kind he was and even like his kids. Cause I, I believe his son is a filmmaker now. Um, and it's just like, uh, reading interviews and views and knowing people that knew him, they had a lot of fun on his movie sets and especially like kind of this, yeah, you know, like you were saying this young crowd, I've heard a lot of stories and especially like Drew was saying a lot of things when uh, him and I were talking about uh, Ted Michaels is that it was just, it was just kind of a, you know, he was very helpful on insight, especially how, how to make a low budget film. Um, you know, he was definitely the king, king at it. Um, and I just, I just love everything about his career. Even he made those fucking awful Astro zombie sequels. <laughs> um, you know, he, he just, he just never gave up. He kept doing what he didn't do anything different. It's just technology, uh, and settings and stuff changed, but he was making the same films that he was in the seven, uh, you know, sixties and you know, early seventies that he was making until the day he died. So I, I, I have a lot of respect, respect for that. So very nice. No, that's cool. <clears throat> no, I was going to say like that, that happens to me quite a bit. And that's why I appreciate kind of special features and documentaries on films. Like no matter what, like some, like sometimes it does help increase the appreciation of a film, no matter how dumb the film could be. If you see, um, like, how the director interacts with the actors or the, the journey that it took to bring that certain film, you know, from page to actually being in a theater or driving or whatever, like that definitely helps like seeing if it's a passion project, especially like you, you, I don't know. It's weird. Like once you get context, you're definitely a lot more forgiving on the film and the film becomes more endearing. So I totally second that. You know, that happens to me all the time, especially these types of films. Like sometimes I won't be, I won't like a film and then I'll watch the special features or listen to the commentary when I have time and I actually end up appreciating a film even more, which is why I kind of, I don't want to write off a film right off the bat. Like I want to kind of dig into it. Um, but, um, but yeah, that, it, it's cool when a film can do that for sure. Cool. Yeah, don't go into the woods was like that for me. You oh, said nice. don't go into the woods is like what? 
it's like that for me because when I saw it, I was like, wow, this maybe not my favorite movie. And seeing like the features about how they're from Utah, which kind of blew my mind and just on the local shows talking about their slasher movie. I'm like, okay, I kind of love this. <laughs> That's cool. All right, moving on, let's jump into this uh, double feature uh, Blu-ray films, two films by Roberta Findlay. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Lurkers first and then move into Prime Evil. Lurkers is fine. <laughs> um, I here's, here's the thing is that I, I remember watching Lurkers a lot when I was younger. Um, I think it came out like on VHS, like maybe, you know, early, early 90s. I remember watching it and uh, and digging it and then rewatching it a few years later. Like I haven't seen Lurkers in probably, you know, since like 1995. But <laughs> um, Roberta Finlay, she has like, number one, she made like 32 movies every year. Wow. Um, no, no, no. I'm, I mean, I'm kidding. But she's amazing. She, 32 movies in one year. Incredible. She she, she made a she, she made a lot of films. I, I mean, she started off as a porn porn director, uh, you know, female in in the porn porn industry, and then she got into horror and stuff like that. She's made some like really great films, uh, like The Oracle and uh, Tenement, which just came out on Blu-ray from um, that company that everybody thought disappeared and they came back and they released like a movie like every six months. I can't think of the name of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Tenement was just released on 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 Blu-ray, um, and she's she's a very um I, I don't I really know Roberta Finlay I, I can't I can't think of the name of it, but there's something about her movies, uh, and Lurkers isn't a great example. I would say something more or less like uh, Blood Sisters or the Tenement would be. Be her best, her better films. Sorry, Shriek um, Show. Shriek Show released Tenement. Yeah, Shriek. Yeah, Shriek I thought, thought they Everybody went under. They like they, uh, dude. They released they released a movie like every six months. The last <laughs> film they released was Majorettes. Oh, oh shit. Um, okay, all right. Wow. Yeah, and they just did uh, Tenement. So I, I just got Tenement in the mail. Um, I'm a big fan of that movie, but. R- r- went from her porno career to uh, making horror films, but there's something about her films where they're, they're, I guess I, what I would say is they're a lot, they're very dreamy, very dreamlike. Um, there's kind of a haze over the films. It, it, it's more nightmarish, I guess you could say. Um, it's just a weird feel that you get when you watch a movie, you kind of tell it's Roberta Finlay. Um, and they might not be the greatest films uh, out there, but there's something about them that's, I don't know, just feels special. Plus, you know, a female making, uh, you know, <laughs> starting off in the porn porn industry directing and then getting into the horror. And, you know, she was having some of these films like mainstream uh, in the mainstream, having them in theaters, which was uh, pretty remarkable at the time. Um it's just something special about her films. I, I can't really pinpoint it. I don't know why I brought it up. It's just, I don't know. It, she's always been really special uh, for me watching the films. And even though like primeval lurkers may not be the best films in the world, um, there's still something 
to them. Like, I don't know. Not really at words right now to explain how I feel about Roberta Finlay, but I think a lot of horror fans will enjoy her work if they're not too familiar with it already. So, anyway, that's all I got. Very nice. Anybody else? Anybody else there? I'm good. Yeah, my dog just <laughs> peed. My dog just peed in the office. I'm trying to clean it up. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but no, not um. I really, 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 really dug Primeval. So you guys want to talk about that or uh, Stephanie? Do you have anything else to say about Lurkers? I don't really, not really much to say about Lurkers. I move on to Primeval as well. <laughs> <laughs> Primeval has like some of my favorite things, uh, religious horror, monks or priests or whatever the hell. Monas- it's a, it's monastery <laughs> horror. Um, but absolutely, I absolutely loved this flick. Um, where they were, where they were like a bunch of devil worshippers disguised as monks, which is like, you have me like right there. I'm, I'm in. It's uh, they're like in New York City, right? Yeah, yeah, Man- Manhattan, I think. Yeah, and it's I'm trying to remember. I haven't watched this one in in a while too, but it's um, yeah, monks. Like, are they underground? Or no? No, they're in a monastery. So, mon- like, monastery is usually a pretty simple and you know. I feel like the first in the begin, like the beginning of the film opens up in like more ancient, you know, not, you know, you know what I mean? Um, in like some old monastery. Monasteries are generally pretty old and dark anyway, but, um, but yeah, it's like, uh, definitely very dark also, and gothic for sure. Like they say, like Satan's power is stronger on consecrated ground. So they, they camp out in a church. Yeah, I just I remember the film. They, they I remember it jumping around a lot. Like yeah. I, I, it, I feel it's one of those old VHS movies I watched a few times. Um, so basically, when I would like clean my room, I'd put something in that I've already seen when I was younger. So that way, I had some background noise. So I'd watch movies over and over and over. that's how I'd watch movies over and over again. But I remember it not really having a coherent like storyline. It was just, but that's the part of Roberta Finlay. That's why I said it's very nightmarish because it's like a nightmare. Like when you go to sleep and you're having bad dreams all at night, like it's just one right after the other, but none of them correlate. And that's kind of how her movies fell into place. It seems um, a lot of times is that she had an idea, but she just filmed sequences but didn't actually have a script behind it. Uh, that's not a hit against Roberta Finlay. It's just that sometimes that's how her films feel like they're presented to you. Um, and that's like with Lurkers and Primeval. I think Primeval is definitely better than Lurkers. It's a lot more entertaining just because of like the special effects and makeup and everything. But um, yeah, I, I think that, I think it's a good pairing. I think it's funny that they put them both together. Because they have that kind of that same feel to me, but 
John, are you still cleaning up pee? Sorry, I'm back. Sorry. Oh, wow. Okay. You might want to put that in the notes, too, to edit <laughs> edit all that shit out. I have no idea. It was like my dog pissed all over my room, so I'm trying to talk and clean it up at the same at the same time. Good times. Puppies suck. Do not get a puppy. Don't say that. Puppies don't suck. Oh, I was just wondering, because that's been a while, and you're talking about being uh, choppy, and I didn't think it was too choppy, so I was just wondering how much of that might be a memory thing. Oh, you see him getting old. That's, that's I mean, what the, you, that's you what said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a, a lot of her films feel like that. I don't think a lot of them are very coherent. I think they're all kind of jumbled all over the place. Yeah, there's definitely like an episodic feel like, Hi, I'm I'm talking about dudes at a gym and eating snacks and okay, let's go to the satanic priest now and Yeah. I mean I I enjoy her work. I enjoy what she does. Um is there is there there's a, she's still alive. Did they do an interview with her? She does the commentary. Oh. There you go. For Prime Evil, not not for lurkers. But that would be a really good commentary to hear. I would, I would totally be up for listening to that yeah. commentary. I just need Stephanie Rothman commentaries. I'm good. Yeah, she's uh, that is a she's she's phenomenal. Yeah, St- Stephanie Rothman is just a some of the. I mean, she hasn't made she didn't make a lot of movies, but everything that she made was just you know. It kind of how she fell into place with that whole, uh, with the whole Jack Hill thing. Mm-hmm. So with uh, initially bloodbath, that's a unique story too. Yeah, no, I uh, I love that Arrow set because man, that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I remember reading about it, but I've never seen like the different versions. I made sure I watched them all because I I really like that movie in general. Um, and Laurie Saunders is just. She's absolutely gorgeous. Anything else to say about uh, about Primeval? No. It's a really fun flick. Um, pretty, you know, pretty fun way to kind of discover Roberta Finlay for sure. This Primeval double feature is a fantastic way to introduce yourself to Roberta Finlay. I know that I'm interested oh. in more of her stuff for sure because of this. Watch and, Tenement uh, first. Okay. Tenement is uh, Tenement is really good. Awesome. And then the Oracle. Oracle's like out by like Synapse on DVD or something. I feel like somebody's mentioned the Oracle to me before. It's fun, man. It's uh, definitely one of her better movies. Very cool. All right. Moving on. <clears throat> Let's talk about Demon Wind. Oh shit. Yeah. From 1984 is what uh the Blu-ray really? work our artwork says 1984. Um when I look this up on IMDb it says 1990. So I don't know. I mean it was on. definitely made in the 80s, but I mean, yeah. 
So, fun fact, I haven't seen Demon Wind in probably probably the same amount of time. Probably like 95 <laughs> is the last time I saw Demon Wind. Was it good? No, I'm Demon kidding. Wind is I'm kidding, I'm my kidding. Jam. I mean, it's I've not seen, good. I've it's, I've probably more it's basically like a cheap version no, of Evil it's, Dead. Yeah, it's a it's it's Evil Dead ripoff, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's so I, cute. I remember, I remember it pretty pretty vividly. I mean, this is one of those films that I stumbled across. I mean, it had the lenticular cover on the VHS, and I thought that was a big deal when I was little. Um, and I remember picking it up like at a, a box lot on like on on eBay. And I watched the shit out of this movie for a good five years. Um, you know, I was like eight, I think, at the time that I saw it first. So, and watched it until I was like a teenager. So that's a good, that's a good solid 20 years I haven't seen this movie. But I remember it. So what I liked about Demon One was number one, like it's really slow. If I remember correctly, here you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's really slow to start because we have these introduction of all these like different types of characters. I remember like they are traveling and they get to this like weird town or diner, and um, I remember my mom laughing at the one part because they go to this diner and they ask what do they have to drink. And what they ask for to drink, the lady doesn't even mention. Like, I think it's, like, soda. She's, like, they have, like, milk and, like, tea. And then they said they'll have a Coke. And then she pops two Cokes and then they drink them. And my mom thought that was fucking hilarious when she when she saw it. I do remember that. Um, but then, like, she starts taking off her clothes, like, in the restaurant. But then, like, there's this lady working at the restaurant. And then all of a sudden, all his friends show up. And, like, two of them are, like, magicians or some shit. <laughs> yeah. And one, like, starts doing karate. Like, and yeah. the, what what's, like, the blonde-haired douchebag name that's the, vi- like, the <laughs> villain villain type from, like, Karate Kid shows up. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know, he, man. I'm not going to be able to think of their names. Oh, wow, Sean. I haven't seen this movie for 20 fucking years. Well, and you can't remember a goddamn name? Well, I don't remember their names. I don't think their names are really... We'll call, him, we'll call him Kurt or Brett. Well, there's like, there's a- Corey, Elaine, Harcourt, Stacy, Chuck, Jack, Dell, Bonnie. Dell! Yeah. It's Dell. All right, so, like, Dell, like, is the muscle man that has, like, the blonde <laughs> hair. And then, like, the two magicians show up, and then they, like... They just take off their like clothes and they're like in normal street clothes. And Dell like really hates the one magician. And I remember he like pulls a pigeon out of his jacket at one <laughs> point out of nowhere and goes, Shazam. And I just remember that sticking in my head when I was little. Like, <laughs> what the fuck am I actually watching? Um, but what I what I liked about it is that it's it like I said. It's it's typically it's 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 slow. It it's introduces all these characters. They get to this like his house. Like his grandfather died at the house or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get to this house, but then 
about halfway into the movie, then it gets batshit fucking crazy with all these fucking demons trying to kill them um, at, at, at night. Um, but I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it for what it, for what it was. I mean, yeah, it's not a not a great film, but I think it's definitely one of those things that if it was if it was more readily available, it probably would have been more popular and had a bigger cult following. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it's like it's like a cross between Evil Dead and Demons is, is what it made me kind of yeah, feel like. I think the cult following for the film was just the you know the the like the lenticular cover that everybody remembers seeing at the <laughs> store. But I don't know if a lot of people actually saw the film because you know it's one of those movies that was kind of tough to get. I mean, I just sold my VHS copy I had for eighty fucking dollars, you moron, on Jesus eBay. Right? Yeah. After the Blu-ray came out, like I had the Blu-ray in my hand and I sold it for $80. It was pretty much the best day of my life. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, the, the film as a kid, but I, I just kind of like how it escalates. It gets, it gets really silly. I remember like the house not being together, like it's right. broken down. But when they walk through the door, it's a com- like they're in a cabin or they're actually like in the house. But like. I don't. Is that ever explained in the movie? I can't remember. Uh, I I don't know if it is. If it is, it's kind of half explained. But um, because they yeah they they like it's just one wall with a doorway, and then they walk yeah. through that doorway. But, they're but in there, then and they, but they can't escape because this wind fog keeps coming by. Well, and like puts trapped. them in different places, right? Yeah, they're, they're yeah. trapped because in this house, some shit had gone down previously, maybe with his grandparents or even farther down the line. You know, and like the, I, I can't remember the timeline that it, it opens up in kind of like the Wild West kind of feeling. Um, I think, but, um, but yeah, they're, they're trapped there. And so you just kind of assume no, that early, something. Early 1900s. It's not yeah, wild. yeah. It's you kind of assume, yeah. yeah. You kind of assume that there's something, you know, they're either kind of interdimension or something's just keeping them in this area. And of course, like stuff's going to be a bit off for sure. So I, I kind of never really questioned it. I was just kind of like, well, you know, they're stuck here and shit's about to go down. So, but it, it takes a little bit for them to get there. And yeah, that, uh, the guy who knows the, the Kung Fu or the karate, uh, it, it, he's, he's a, he's a part of some very, uh, very entertaining scenes, especially his, yeah, his setup. When you learn, oh, this guy knows karate. <laughs> no. Yeah, and then like for some reason they have a shotgun. If yeah, I packing, if I remember no, correctly, they're, they're packing. One of the one of the friends has a couple guns. It's yeah, and it's like wow, man, what a group of friends you have. Like, and it's it's hard to believe. If I remember correctly, it's hard to remember like how all these people are friends because they're all assholes to one another. Um, they, they don't like each other. And somebody is dating one of the girls and one of the other guys. They have a pa- I don't know. It's, yeah, it's because like the lead the lead guy that's there for his parents. Like he has that blonde haired girlfriend. But like when they're at the restaurant, like his other friend comes in and like kisses her, and then he kisses his actual girlfriend. And it's like, <laughs> what is actually happening? Why are you letting him do this? That's right. Um, yeah, that's why I keep. Oh, that's right. Because he like gives her. He gives her. That's he keeps saying that in the movie. Like after he kisses her, right? 
He says that's why I keep well, her around. Yeah. Any random thing. That's why I keep her around. <laughs> yeah. No, but this, yeah, this, it's it's it, this is a lot of fun. Uh definitely if you're a fan of just goofball eighties demon type flicks in the vein of demons or evil dead for sure. Like, you know, it just has a lot. It's a goofball flick, but it's a, it's a ton of fun. And there's some fun yeah. little gore gags in it too. Yeah. And that, um, that Sherry, uh, Sherry, what's her name? She's from slaughterhouse. She's in this movie and she actually like became like a stunt girl or something like that, which is pretty cool. I, I think, you know, she was Sherry, a, some, Sherry a couple Lay. Of... What? Sherry Lay. L E I G H. Say Lee. It's probably just Lee. Is it Lee? Like Janet Lee. Is my is my head in the gutter? My brain in the gutter? Yeah, but she was in. Uh, I think that's the one that was in Lee Slaughter. I, I think. But yeah, she she is Lee. Is it Lee? Okay, my bad. Yeah, like Janet Lee. Okay. All right. I'm the asshole. Okay. No, she, yeah, she has a lot of I wouldn't say you're an asshole. It's just like you're really good at name, saying names. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) That's why we keep you around. (laughs) Dude, she was a stunt driver in Torque. What? Yeah, she became a stunt woman. Yeah, this is like she's only like in a few movies. Uh, it just I, I can remember because she has a very like her face. She is a very um, what do you call that? She has very striking standout features. Strong features. She has a, strong, yeah, strong features. Strong. She has jaw. a strong jaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. But um, she looks yeah, badass. I, yeah, I I liked I like Demon, and plus when all the friends start to turn, it's yeah, it's a mix between Evil Dead, Night of the Demons, shit like that, Demon Knight before Demon Knight was out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very yeah, and it's just like they're all coming out of the barn. They got it's like becomes like this Night of Living Dead thing where they're trapped inside the house, you know. But I, I will say that it, it does pay off towards the end because I remember the ending. Yeah. Um, you know, when they're trying to break in and everybody's you can't really trust anybody because everybody's becoming a demon. And um, it's just yeah, I think I think this is definitely one of those movies that's a safe play for a lot of people that like horror films and like gore films. That this is a, a safe movie for people to watch, and I think it will finally gain the cult following it deserves. Whether it's not based off its iconic cover art, <laughs> you know, I, I think that this is a film that can stand alone. Well, they did. Um, uh, I think if, like yeah, if you got the limited edition, you got the lenticular art. Like they recreated that artwork for the Blu-ray, but I think yeah. all those are sold out because I didn't. I did not get so. the lenticular uh, cover. So, which is. By the way, uh, which is an incentive if you're going to do – because wasn't – this wasn't like a Black Friday you know, announcement. But when you when they say they're going to release like a lenticular cover or a special slip, slip cover, like they're one of the few companies that I'm like, make sure you get the slip cover because they always – like um, – Jack Frost had it. Jack too. Frost comes to mind for sure uh, and then Demon Wind. 
mean, they did that cover, but, uh, but definitely if you can get the slip covers on vinegar Centrum shit because, uh, they do it right. All right. Um, Stephanie, anything to say about, do you have anything to say about Demon Wind? I'm sorry. Yeah, Brad, and I, Brad and I have just been verbal <laughs> diarrhea right now. <laughs> it is cute. Um, no, I'll, I'll, I agree with you. Um, it does conjure up a lot of these beloved movies, but it still has its own flavor. And I think it really knows what it is. Uh, there's a part, uh, where it has like a woman beckoning the classic gorgeous woman out of nowhere with lighting and fog beckoning. And the two guys look at each other and we're like, well, that's a trap. And that was <laughs> kind of refreshing to see that. Uh, yeah, I just think out of, um, the, a lot of the recent vinegar syndrome releases, it's probably one of the bigger crowd pleasers. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people will dig this if you haven't seen it. Yeah. So it's a safe one. All right. Uh moving along, we had a couple more here to cover. Uh next up is a film by Gorman Bachard. Uh Psychos in Love from nineteen eighty six. I know that's right. This is an odd little kind of not I wouldn't I don't know if I would call this horror like it's more of a macabre comedy about uh this couple comedy yeah uh who basically like are they're basically serial killers and uh they they meet a a, a cannibal who they basically want to maybe strike up a deal where they kill and he gets to eat what they kill. But there's also, there's a world going on. Uh, look at, you know, their relationship stuff going on as well. And it's like narrated in like, you know, he breaks the fourth wall and kind of narrates the story. Um, that's what I got from it. I wasn't a big fan, Brad or Stephanie, please. Uh, and indulge us. You on are the plot details and why people think this is good. Well, since I've been talking so much, I'll let Steph take it. Over. <laughs> Thanks. But I, I, I will, I will put a lot of my input in. Uh, yeah, unlike Sean, I love this. It definitely, even though it is about a serial killing a uh, couple and there is a cannibal in there. This isn't remotely a horror movie. It's uh, very meta, very tongue in cheek. Um, I think this would be a great double feature with eating Raul. Um, I think it has a lot of similar tonality and sense of humor with that. Um, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's <laughs> really funny. Um, I'm kind of shocked you didn't like it, Sean. It was so much <laughs> well, fun. Um, I don't know if it was me watching a lot of these films within the same weekend where I was just kind of like, ah, I don't, you know, I, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where there's expectation versus like what the, the movie actually is. So I, I don't know. Maybe upon further review, I would have 
a cleaner palate. That's the, to enjoy that's the it. thing about it is I, that you're expecting something, but that's not what you get at all. You're getting something completely off a, the wall. It's a, it's a comedy. It's an absurd comedy. Basically. Yeah, but I don't know. It's it's like it's like if John Waters and Adam Rifkin made a movie together. That's kind of what Psycho mm, feels like to me. That's per, that you know that's great. Yeah. And I don't know. There's there's something about it where it is it it's like a biography at a time, like an autobiography of this guy. Like, yeah, he does break that wall, but um, it's it's in a comedic sense. To you know, you're not getting to know the characters more through it. It's just it's almost like there's a little bit of stand up. I mean, he even like takes a time out and like steps forward and starts telling another story, um, and just and kind of meets this girl. It's not really like it's. It's a uh, kind of almost uh, even like a satire in a way. I mean, it's um, it it with how the movie is directed and presented, it feels a lot like the original of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Um, even with some of the comedy, I know that's a weird pairing, but that's kind of the the vibe that I get uh, from the film as far as like how the comedy is 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 stretched out and how it's portrayed. Um, but I think psychos in love would be for people that, even though I hate the movie, I would say like something like death row game show that, hmm. um, vinegar syndrome also released, but I think See, psychos I loved, in love, I love death row game show. Yeah, I don't know, this one just, it just missed for me. I don't know. It just, but I, but I, I, I do have a respect for it. Like I respect uh, the film and what what they tried to do just at the time it just didn't hit for me. Maybe like maybe you know a couple months from now I'll revisit it and I'll I'll have a different take on it. But it's it's not one of those things where it's like laugh out loud. I just think no. there's a lot of su- subtle comedy in there. It's uh you know a lot of little great moments. It's a lot of good one liners. I think the lead is very care. I think both characters are very charismatic. Um, yeah, and. And and we just kind of like watching these people just playfully kill people and 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 bond over the joy of of, of murdering uh, others and it does get really bloody at times, um, but I think that it's just one of those movies that for fans of like I said John Waters and Adam Rifkin I think this is definitely um, for them so. Yeah, there's a lot of satirizing of, like, meet-cute relationship scenarios that I got a big kick out of them subverting that and, like, hey, it's, like, your turn to clean out the the sink filled with body parts. Oh, okay, I did it last time. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it's all over the place, but I thought that's where its charm was. Nice. Yeah, and it doesn't it it doesn't stay kind of on the same line of once they hit the joke, they continue with that joke. They do try to, you know, jumble it up, even throwing another killer in there to see what would happen uh with this couple. Um but I one thing that I I love about the movie that it's so weird is that the whole grape um, speech oh, yeah. is said probably maybe about maybe five or six times. And it's like, 
did that did Gore, uh, the Richard, the guy that directed it, did he really think that that was like like that was his best thing? Like it just it feels like that was a joke that they really thought was funny. Yeah, and 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 rewatching it, yeah, it's funny when it pops up, and it's actually really funny when she says it. Uh, you know, because he goes on a rant talking to the camera about how much he hates scrapes, and then she says it, and they get along with each other. But even at the end of the film, you know, they're they're still doing, they're coming out of the building, and they're and they're saying it. But um, yeah, it's just it's just really slapsticky at times. Um, but I think it's more almost situational and very subtle comedy, like Steph said about you know clean, you know, just normal run of the mill things, but in a way that a killer would. A killer would say it, or dealing it with as serial killers in their house. Um, I think that's kind of the mindset you have to. I would really like to know what John Waters thinks of it, though. This definitely <laughs> seems like something up his alley. Um, now this this is a, a disc that is stacked. Like I'm I'm thinking this could be one of the instances where if I really dive in and listen to these, there's two commentaries. There's a bunch of interviews, um, and there's just a whole lot of uh, extras in 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 this you know disc. So I'm wondering if like maybe that would help. Maybe I would appreciate it more if I dug into all that. I, I mean, this is obviously a film that people find endearing. So otherwise, vinegar vinegar syndrome wouldn't put so much work into gathering all this together for it. So. Um, did any of you check out the special features on this? No. I need to dive in a lot more, especially with the short films. I watched a little bit of some of the interviews, and that was interesting because this is definitely the kind of film where you're like, okay, what was going through their mind when they wrote this script, when they hired everybody? Like, what was it like on set? Yeah, and he's... Yeah, this thing is packed. He's he's a definitely um, kind of all over the place director. I mean, I know that they're, you know, everybody has it now. But one of their Black Friday films is another film by Gorman uh, Bachard for um, uh, Disconnected, um, which is a great, like, really weird slasher. But that's that's kind of like what he does. And also, like with uh, Cemetery High, um, he also uh, he also made all, all the films. Like he made like four or five films, like all back to back. And he takes like just normal stories, but he puts something in it to really spice it up and, and uh, take the film a totally different route, like disconnected. I mean, it's a slasher, but it's got this weird vibe to it, to where it gets like really just, it's just a very odd movie. Um, and that's, I think that's why he is good. It, you know, going back to like something like Ted Mickles, Gorman Bichard really tried to do something different with his normal stories and basic stories he was doing. Um, you know, having maybe more eccentric characters, um, kind of like in Psychos in Love, like everybody is a character. Um, and that's why I like about it. Like, we just don't have, you know, the couple being eccentric and crazy. Everybody around them is nuts. Everybody we meet in the film has some kind of quirk. And that's I think that's why I like it, because it's very almost like stage play-ish at the time of like setting it up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those films I feel is super underrated, and I think it will have a fan base once it hits that uh, kind of arty crowd. Because I think it is more of, 
an arty type sense. I don't think your normal, you know, gore hound people will like this movie. Um, I think it does take a group of, you know, even though I trash it, like even like the trauma kids, I think this is something that they could really enjoy too. Um, because it has kind of that Tromaville aspect. I don't, I know I shit on Troma and I shouldn't compare it, but it does have that type of comedy. So I think that's maybe where the fan base would be. Huh. Interesting that you say like stage play. Like I, I can actually see this being adapted as a stage play. You know, I mean, you know it how, was. Was it? I have footage on the disc from it. Yeah. Oh shit! Hold on. Not that long ago. I didn't I know that. that. That's fantastic. Yeah, highlights and psychos and loves just, stage play. Okay, just All shows right. that I'm motherfucking okay. right. All yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't All know right. that, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a unique a unique script, and I think it's uh, you know it's 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 fun. It, it's even if you weren't watching the movie, I think it would be a very fun read. Um, oh yeah, no, just, the the dialogue's fantastic in this. Like, so I yeah, I think it, I think it is again. special. I, I but I, I agree. I don't think it's for everybody, and I don't expect people to like it. And if they don't like it, I'm not gonna get into them a hard time because mm-hmm. I think there is kind of just kind of a select selective group that will like something like this if they ever watch it. So. All right, cool. Let's move on to our final film. This one probably has one of my favorite covers. That's <laughs> just cause those, I don't know if this was an original VHS, you know, artwork or if they created this themselves, but uh, the film is called blood beat. From 1982. Oh, no. The original cover was, um, I think, Transworld. I just sold this for like 50 bucks itself. But, um, yeah, it had like a, I think it had, it was like a samurai sword on the front. The blood on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that artwork's uh, pretty boring. And it's got like a mask mask in the background. But this is one of these films that was really hard to track down. Um, it suffered a VHS release. It got pirated uh, quite a bit. That company that um, the, somehow their DVDs got out, like on you know even Amazon and everything. It was uh, I can't I think it was like Lucky Thirteen or something was the label, but it was just bootlegs and they 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 bootlegged the fuck out of this movie. Um, Bloodbeat is a weird fucking movie. Yeah, it is. So my favorite thing to do, even though we're going to get into it a little bit, my I sold so many of these this copy of the film at Spooky Empire because I was helping run in the Vinegar Syndrome booth. There's there's two easy there's there's three easy movies for me to sell to people. Uh, one Demon Win because all you have to do is say it's an Evil Dead ripoff. People <laughs> dig that. Um, Two Nightmare Sisters. I say Michelle Bauer, Leanna yeah. Quigley, and Brink Stevens. Uh, That's an easy play sell. Nerdy, ner- nerdy college girls that turn into succubi <laughs> and like kill college frat boys. That's easy. And then another one is Bloodbeat. And Bloodbeat might not be a great movie, but if you tell people that um, this woman who uh, lives in uh, Wisconsin gets possessed by a Japanese samurai warrior. 
I would say my mind would just melt right there and I would say, <laughs> okay, yes, I have to see this because why, why would any, like, how is that even a thing? How is that know. even written down? How is that even processed? Like, hey, I want, I want to make a horror film. Why don't you make this woman be possessed by a Japanese samurai warrior? Why not? Dude, that, that's brilliant. Let's action. Like, what? The so, problem I have, though, is that I feel like it takes way too long for us to realize what the hell is going on. Like, that's such a great premise. But I feel like in, in an 86-minute movie, like, it should get to the goods a little sooner than it does or am I wrong? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's mostly due to budgetary constraints yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. It's, it's but, definitely, yeah, I, I agree. And they, I, they, it feels like half the script they, is improv too. Yeah. They could have thrown some extra kills in there, but, um, I think it, it leads up and it's also kind of a Thanksgiving Christmas movie <laughs> at the same time. It takes place during the holidays <laughs> I think specifically, though, it takes place a lot around Thanksgiving, if I remember correctly. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, a holiday film, fun for the whole family. <laughs> but while watching Blood Beat, I think that it's, it's fun to, like, pause it and breathe and say, what is actually going on? <laughs> And I, I think it's a it's a it's a fun little party movie. Have some friends over, open up some like fucking really really hard liquor, do a couple <laughs> shots before you hit play. Maybe and, some wild you know, turkey. Yeah, and, and we'll I, think, I think you would enjoy it. But it doesn't it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's it's crazy as shit. It's trying to play off the whole slasher genre. Um, you know, something like Jason or anything like that, um, making this a samurai warrior with this woman. But it doesn't make any sense. It's weird as shit. But I think it does have um, the ability to kind of become more of a cult classic just because there's not too many movies where at the end of the film you would say, oh, yeah, there's plenty of things like this. Um, and then that's the one that's the respect I have for it is that filmmakers that were making movies between like 1982 and like 1988. Uh, there was this wow. I can't even speak specific thing that they were looking for. And it was an easy sell. Of course, slashers, ghost stories, stuff like that. Mostly slashers, easy sell, uh, which that's what this is. But at least they were trying to be, <laughs> be completely off the wall insane with it. And that's what the respect I have. Uh, maybe it didn't make any sense. Oh well, but um, you know it's 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 awesome for a company like you know Vinegar Syndrome. Even though everybody knows we love them, and obviously if you listen to the show, you love them too. But to give something the time of day is something as crazy as fucking Bloodbeat. No, <laughs> I, it's it's just it's insane to me um, that uh, when I first heard they were releasing this movie. Um, blood beats always been in the back of my mind cause we did it for a holiday party one time. Uh, when my buddy Brian lived, uh, near me every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, we would do kind of a, uh, on the weekend we would do kind of a movie marathon. So we called Thanksgiving slashers giving and we called uh, Christmas killing this and we would play like maybe <laughs> three, three or four films trying to pick a film around the holidays 
and he actually discovered this uh, discovered this film on his own. He was like, "Hey, there's this movie called Bloodbeat," and I was trying to remember. I was like, "Man, that sounds so familiar." Um, and it was one of those movies that I just completely like kind of forgot about. I had the tape. I watched it maybe once when I was younger, and I I obviously didn't think of much of it. And um, you read the story, and I was like, "Yes, I've seen that shit." I was like, "That's crazy. I haven't seen it in years." And you know, we watched it. Uh, we were a few beers in and alcohol with with, with the party, but it, it went over really well. Um, just because when people are watching it, if they're not completely blackout drunk, they're watching it and they're like, "Man, this is so." so weird. And I think another fun movie to like compare that to is just kind of the weirdness and how it's set up is a movie called Doom Asylum, which I'm hoping and praying that Code Red puts that out on Blu-ray because they put it out on DVD. Doom Asylum is insane. Like the dialogue, it's you talk about improv, that shit is fucking <laughs> improv. Like I know this is off the subject of Bloodbeat, but there is a moment in Doom's uh, Doom Asylum where this woman lost her mother, and she has this boyfriend, and they're al- along the road where her mother, where they used to live, and she finds a compact, a makeup compact on the ground. She picks it up and she goes, "Oh, my mother's." <laughs> and you know, one of the guys says, "She's been dead for years. What are you doing?" And she's like, I miss my mom. And her boyfriend turns to him, turns to her and says, baby, you can call me mom. <laughs> and for the rest of the fucking movie, she calls him mom. I use that line. That's how I got married. Fucking insane. But anyways, like Bloodbeat, it's insane. <laughs> and once like the last 20 minutes kick in when they're inside the house – and fucking, you know, the samurai from Neon Maniacs basically comes out and starts, <laughs> starts killing everybody. Like it's it, it 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 does get up there, and it's and it's a lot of fun. So um, well, I, I hope people I hope people enjoy it. Well, I mean, I'd yeah. say if, if be patient, get to the end. I had a hard time getting through this eighty six minutes. But you watch movies like at fucking eleven if if you well, were at home alone, here's this thing, Sean. If you like and and the you way know, we I've, watch movies is definitely different than most people. Right. But here's the I, thing I is like that. I I have to like I've said this quite a bit and I, I think I have to finally, you know, eat my words and say you're right. <laughs> is that you're you are right. I think some some movies, depending on your experience, can change how you feel about a movie. Um, you know, in in watching films in theaters, watching films with friends, I guarantee you, if you're alone in your home watching Bloodbeat at 11 p.m. on a fucking <laughs> Saturday, you're going to fucking fall asleep and think it's the worst movie ever made. <laughs> But if you're watching on a Friday night at uh, 7 p.m. with 10 uh, friends and a lot of brews, brewskis, I think that you're going to really enjoy yourself. So there you go. Yes, depending on the audience and who you're with, I think this could definitely be one of those films that would um, w- w- it would help it along. It would improve Agreed. it if you actually had a group of people. Agreed, watching. and that's and that's. So we we've been chatting this whole time, and 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 poor poor Stephanie's just probably falling asleep right now as as we're chatting. Stephanie, did you get a chance to watch uh, Bloodbeat? I did, and um, <laughs> I agree with you because 
I did not see this uh, with any friends or beer. <laughs> I was bundled up in my bed, sick and alone, just watching this. Story. I'm like, what the hell is this? God damn it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Uh. So, I don't recommend seeing it when you're by yourself completely miserable because I did not have a good time with it. Agreed. All. That's well, that's the hard thing with uh, sometimes getting through these films and, and like people who are like professional professional critics like i really don't understand how you guys do it like i i don't because you know sometimes like feeling like because you know you have the stack of movies and you're like fuck i gotta get through these it's, it's not like hey everybody let's watch this piece of shit you know and everybody cheers and you break out the freaking bourbon and the you know local breweries beers and whatever all the hipster beers and or maybe maybe it's just pbr right you're everyone brings all this out and you're having a good time like i got this stack and you know i'm like ah oh, fuck I, I i gotta talk about this sometime this week you know and 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 we just put it in and and watch it at 11 o'clock at night like it definitely changes how you approach a film for sure and i'm i'm if if you're hearing us talk about these films and you've watched these in a, in a more of a get together situation, like I would love to hear your experience because you know me it's and people just, have seen it in theaters, and I think that that amplifies oh, yeah. the experience. Oh, you know, totally because yeah. you know a lot of people you know they'll Vinegar Syndrome will do screenings and stuff, and people will see things and you know they'll go crazy over it. Yeah, and you yeah. know I have a, this running debate and joke with uh, some close friends of mine. Where they come to, you know, the movie marathons I host and, you know, uh, you know, the movie nights on Wednesdays that we usually do. Uh, I don't really necessarily, I, I still stand by it, but I, under, I, I understand what people mean. I'm not being a, a pretentious asshole about it. Um, is that, you know, I don't really believe in a movie so bad that it's good. I believe that you either like a movie or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do understand that sometimes, like, you know, quote unquote, bad movies, um, you know, are, are fun. And this is something that Bloodbeat would be. It would be a, a, a bad movie. But, you know, there's uh, I, I don't look at it as as bad because if somebody says, hey, watch this terrible movie, I'm not going to fucking watch it. But, you know, if someone says, hey, I think you will enjoy this movie. It's really silly. It's crazy. Then that is a little bit more appealing to me. Like I, when I introduce a movie at a marathon, I'm not going to say, "Man, this movie's a really piece of shit. You're going to love it." <laughs> no, it's like, "Hey, this movie's a lot of fun," you know. Or I'll say, "Hey, guys, get some beers. Let's watch this." And I think that sets it up. And yeah, and I think there is also, and you know, this goes for shot on video movies, Sean, which we've debated a lot about. Is that sometimes with these movies, um, you know. You can watch a movie that's brand new in the theater, or watch something that's brand new, kind of on you know on demand, um, and it's just in just a shitty horror film. Well, like a lot of the stuff right now is like cash grabs, and you know these pro- like producers behind this movie where they have a decent script or a script they bought that's you know they just have sitting on their desk. They hire a director, they hire. A listers and they have them make the movie and it's just it's just out there and it's just there. 
uh, with stuff like even Bloodbeat or, you know, like Miami Connection, they're not out there trying to make something or, you know, maybe one of these like uh, throwback horror films that come out where it's like all sense score and they put the filter on it to make it look <laughs> old. Um, no, they're making a movie uh, to do that. Like these people that are making Bloodbeat, Miami Connection, Samurai Cop, all these films, they're so they're sincere about it. They're really trying to make a good movie um, most of the time. I mean, yeah, some of that was cash grabs because it was the eighties, with 80s. the exception of Samurai Cop Two. Yeah, I mean that's a, uh, here's the thing: is Samurai Cop Two is obviously a fucking cash grab. You know they. Uh, as far as like, hey, there's this group of people that really like Samurai Cop. How can we try to get more money out of them? Because that's a guaranteed watch. Um, aside from smart people like myself that still haven't watched it. But they cast like 32 porn stars in the film and Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> and they bring – like Tommy Wiseau is in Samurai uh... Cop 2. And they bring – I've actually watched Samurai Cop 2. But they, they bring in like literally like every porn star that I can, that you can think of. Um, Tommy Wiseau and then all the characters from the first film, which is great, but it's just like, Hey, look what we're doing guys. Wink, wink. No, that's not what people were doing when they were making Samurai cop. They were trying to make, uh, you know, a straightforward action movie. Bloodbeat was a straightforward horror film. We watch it now and we laugh, but at the time, you know, it's something different. And I, I respect for, I have a respect for a film watching it and laughing at something, but they were sincere about it. I'm not laughing at their work, but I'm having a good time. And I think, you know, that's where the debate comes in with me is like, people say it's so bad. It's good. It's like, it's not bad. It's just, we watch a movie and we're having a fun time with it. And it's, it's just funny. It's goofy. It's weird. You know, it's silly. It doesn't make any sense. It's incoherent. Like I can't, you know, it's just all those things. I'm not going to say a movie's bad, but I guess that's the world we live in now where this is a bad movie and bad movies are fun. Well, uh, we, we can, we can also devote a whole episode to this conversation, but there's, I, I was thinking about this, like with the release of the disaster artist and everyone's talking about the room and some people are finally seeing the room for the first time. Like for me, like the room is a bad movie and like, I get, I guess people making fun of it, like making and that makes it funny, but it's like it's a bad movie, and all all the people have just been everyone's been watching it, and making fun of it, and like now right, Tommy but- Wiseau is, is like a star because of that, and I but it, it puts him in a weird spot because I'm like, well, everyone's like fucking making fun of this guy, and I haven't seen. I hear the Disaster Artist is great. But when I first saw the room, I was like, and and I like bad movies. Like I'm, I'm very vocal about that. I I'll find something to like in a bad movie. That's for sure. I did not like the room, and I felt like everyone watching it was just making fun of it. Out of this guy trying his hardest to like to do something on his own, and then everyone's making fun of it, and we're all supposed to laugh at this guy. And I, I feel like we weren't laughing with him. We're like, I felt almost felt bad for Tommy. Wizow, 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 like so, I, I mean, but I don't know. Like, am I wrong? Like, because he's embraced this. No, right? I mean, but I yeah. It's, I don't know. Here's the thing about Tommy Wiseau. If you look at the whole backstory of Tommy Wiseau, he was he was an actor who um, 
you know, would just go all out like during these auditions. And, you know, he had a hard time getting parts and everything like that. So he decided to get a lot of money together and make his own movie and cast his friends and stuff like that. So that's what he did. Um, and, you know, he came out with the room and he screened it and it didn't do very well, obviously. But, you know, it started playing at little art houses and stuff like that where people were watching it and having a good time drinking and watching a movie and laughing at it. Um, and I think that's kind of where it goes now. I think at this point in time, like people are laughing at Tommy Wiseau rather than just laughing at the movie being bad. Um, you know, but it's it's equivalent to, you know, I'm going to mention these movies and I don't know if anybody has ever seen them other than maybe Doug Tilly if he listens to the show, <laughs> but is uh, Neil Breen. Neil Breen is very, very equivalent, you know, to uh, – to Tommy Wiseau, he made a movie. You can watch him on Amazon. You can watch this one movie on Amazon. I suggest you do. It's called Fateful Findings. If you watch Fateful <laughs> Findings, oh, you will God. fucking flip your shit because <laughs> I've never seen a movie like that. That's like fucking ten times Tommy Wiseau making the room. Like it's insane. Like it, Neil Breen is insane, but his movies are a lot of fun because they're fun to watch. We laugh at them. Um, but I mean, I think with Neil Breen, we're actually laughing at Neil Breen. Um, I think at first it, we were laughing at the room, and now since come and Tommy Wiseau's in the spotlight, and you're like, oh wow, he's not acting. That's actually him. Now we're making fun of him um, because I think some of these uh, writer directors that put themselves in their same in their films, like Neil Breen and Tommy Wiseau, they're playing themselves. They don't have it character they don't have um that that uh thing that makes them that other person they're just being themselves um you know like neil breen he has five movies but every film he plays this elite government computer hacker um and knows all the government secrets basically neil breen if donald trump (laughs) made a movie that starred him about him, it would be Neil Breen. Like in, in films, like, yeah, yeah. I love Neil Breen too, but like Neil Breen, like in the beginning, he's like, I'm an elite government hacker. I know all the secrets to everything. I am the best hacker in the world. And people are after me. I hack into government systems all day. That's that's like how that's literally almost verbatim dialogue from like fate findings or something like double down. Amazing. But, um, to answer your question. Yeah. I, I mean, in a way Tommy Wiseau likes it. It's different. If like he hid away from like the limelight and was like mm-hmm. embarrassed that people were oh, doing no, this, he's, this, this, this would be different, but he it. loves, he loves that people are doing this because in the end, like I know there's that big debate, like, oh, we're making fun of somebody that may, might have some issues. We're making fun of this person. But I tell you what, in the end, if you are actually like I'm not talking about people that like watch the room because of the disaster artist is I'm talking about people that have followed Tommy Wiseau mm-hmm. from the room. I, I mean, I saw that movie fucking like, you know, fucking 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, so but when you follow the career and know Tommy Wiseau. In the end, right now at this point in time when that opens wide and it's probably going to be at Fur Awards, Mm -hmm. what Tommy Wiseau said in the beginning in his biography, Tommy Wiseau just won whatever he wanted because this is exactly what he set out to do 
and he fucking did it. And that's the amazing thing about Tommy Wiseau. And that's why I have that kind of different respect for it because he was set out to do something like this. He wanted to change um, something. He wanted to be in the spotlight. And finally, like after fucking uh, it came out, what, 2005? Yeah. So, you know, like 12 years ago, you know, 12 years later, Tommy Wiseau achieves it. I think that's fucking incredible. You know, and now he has fucking Seth Rogen and fucking James Franco homaging his movie and loving it. And now this whole new group of people are going to enjoy the room. People might. It's a mind fuck. Yeah, it's a disaster. (laughs) And now we actually have, you know, disaster artists. Perfect. So, like, you know, and then we have this movie. I I think it's great what's happening. Tommy Wiseau, he loves it. I don't think there's like, you know, people are talking about like mental illness now. No, the guy's fucking just, he just loves what he does. He's a little off his rocker, of course. But, I mean, that's how he has been since the beginning. And he's loving life and he's embracing it. So let him have his fucking 15 minutes of fame and let him Dude, he's be been 12 years of fame, man. That's what's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like this movie, he only had to make this one movie and he poured all his money into it basically. And, you know, built, built these fucking sets for this movie and like these big green screens and just like poured is like, like savings into this movie and then you know how much money that guy has fucking made off well, this thing? God bless him, man. God. It's incredible. It's a great how we, story. How, but anyways. how do we get to this? Uh, Bloodbeat is, is yeah. nowhere near the room, I wouldn't think of. of no, you know. no, I'm not. But, but it's still fun nonetheless. Yeah. Well, that was my whole thing. Like, there's a fine Watch, line quote, unquote, between. Bad movies, you'll, you know, embrace it more. That's what yeah. I want people to enjoy. I want people to enjoy movies you can enjoy something super serious like lady bird which i loved but i also could sit down and watch the you know fucking bloodbeat movie and enjoy it too yeah um you know i think i mean i finally agree with you in that in that sense i think you really have to you know know what you're kind of getting into and set up that uh you know that moment that you're going to watch a movie Um, Um, yeah and I think I think yeah that experience would change it and make you enjoy it a lot more or less. There's, there's a fine there's a fine line. There's enjoyable bad movies that are enjoyable in spite of everything else, and then there's just bad lazy. And if the filmmaker is, if the, if everyone's doing all they can or trying hard, and you, you, I don't know. There, there, there's a sense of endearment. I think you can kind of tell from from certain movies. Other movies are just lazy and trying to make a cash grab. You can kind of sniff those out pretty quick. But, uh, but yeah, there's this fine line between like bad, enjoyable movies and then straight up just bad, lazy movies. If that makes any sense. And this is something I've been trying to explain yeah. to my wife for years because I'll be like, "This movie's amazing," and she'll be like, "What do you mean? This movie sucks." I'm like, "No, but isn't it fun?" And she's like, "No, like we're we're on completely different levels with this type of stuff." But but yeah, there's this fine line between bad and enjoyable. But I I would never say so bad it's good. Like, I mean, I legitimately am, enjoy some really that I'm aware of, like they're right. really bad movies. But I for some reason. Like love them. Like the movie Pathfinder is awful, but I love it. You know what I'm saying? That uh, it's that uh, 
you know, Marcus Nispel flick with uh, Carl yeah. Urban. <laughs> it's awful, but I love it. Stuff like that. I don't know. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Screamcast. I want to thank all of you guys for listening. Um, sorry, we've been a little bit out of sorts. We haven't been hitting every week. Um, we have crazy busy lives, everybody. And, um, we're, we're lucky we even get to get together and, and do the show. Um, patrons, I want to give you guys a, a specific shout out. I want to thank all of you for donating every month. We really appreciate it. I've noticed that a few, you know, a few of you have changed your donation from like $5 to a buck or two bucks or three bucks. That's totally understandable. That's totally fine. What we're going to be doing in January, we're going to be taking the entire month of January off. We're going to be kind of retooling the show. We're going to try to really find some incentives for patrons that are going to work, that are going to, you know, make it, uh, make it worth your cash that you're spending towards the Screamcast. We have a lot of stuff kind of on the horizon. I know, Brad, you're working on a shot on video, uh, podcast, um, with, uh, with Mike. Yes. Mike Delaney. Yeah. Um, so that's in the works. That'll be kind of, wait. We, we're going to be curating kind of a network of sorts on the screamcast.com. So we'll be adding, uh, be doing that show. We'll be, we'll be finding a home there. Um, so we're, we're going to be using January as kind of a retooling month. And, uh, we have probably one, maybe one show left for the year. Um, we're going to regroup here and, and, and plan that. So we, I want to specifically thank all of you for donating every month. Know that, you know, we, we're probably going to be simplifying things and making it, um, I don't know. We're, we're going to figure it out, but, uh, but you know, we have, we have jobs, we have families. It's really tough sometimes just to get one show per week, let alone the bonus stuff that we would love to do. We're always thinking about that though. And we want to try to, to figure that out. So, um, so yeah, January, you won't be hearing a lot from us on the podcast front, but if you follow us on Twitter over at, um, scream underscore cast, you'll, you know, you'll be hearing all about our plans and things that we're doing. And we'll be, we'll probably be asking a lot of you, your input. Um, so definitely go to the screamcast.com. All of our, uh, social media links are there. Follow us on all the social media links and uh, subscribe to the show if you haven't and, uh, and everything. So a lot of cool stuff I think is coming your way. And, uh, just drop us a line there. Um, I want to thank our sponsors. We're probably going to be, you know, as in the new year, kind of retooling the sponsors as well. But um, we want to, of course, give a shout out to Grindhouse Video. Grindhousevideo.com. Um, I always check them first when I'm trying to find uh, new flicks that are coming out, especially Arrow. Like he has a really good relationship with Arrow. So he has, he'll all, a lot of times have a lot of good deals on, uh, Aero Blu-rays. Um, a coffee shop of horrors, use the scream, use the code, uh, I can't talk, use the code screamcast and you get 10% off your order there. And of course, uh, vinegar syndrome and exploitation.tv. Um, if you're not signed up for exploitation, exploitation.tv, do so. A lot of great stuff on there. That's not on Blu-ray and they're, they are like, they have other labels, I think, contributing, um, 
movies as well. Um, music by Wolfman of Mars, and of course, our identity was created visually by Kevin Spencer of Ink Spatters. Uh, give him a shout out over at Ink Spatters dots. What is it? Is it net? Is it com? Dot com. Ink Spatters dot com. And with that, uh, Stephanie, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scrawfish. Nice. You do have a couple. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> you've been doing some writing on the site. Go to screamcast.com. Find some of Stephanie's writing over there. Most recently, uh, I think I mentioned mentioned this on the last show, but uh, her review of Thelma, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, more, I believe, is on the way. Yes? Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, Brad, who gives a shit where he is on Twitter? Um, no. <laughs> Sammy, you'll find us through our social media channels. Find You'll you'll find us through Scream underscore cast. I want to thank all of you guys for listening. We'll talk to all of you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun.